Straight Riffin' is filmed in front of a live internet audience. I am riffin'. Mitch is riffin'. What more can I say? Straight Riffin'. Do you know how fucking desperate I am for some comfort in my life? I need that clear. This show is intended for mature audiences only. I've seen a lot of this. I don't know how much we're discussing this experience today. Are you really not having a good time? I'm having a fantastic I kept yelling, I'm not going to whip the dick out. We talked about that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Featuring your host, Mitch Marzoni. I don't walk around going like, hey, I'm really weird. Look at me, I'm weird. As far as I'm concerned, I'm perfectly normal. It's uh, it's a litmus test for people. And Teddy Tuxin. I'm a hate mercenary. Yeah. All right. All right. Hate mercenary. Hate, hate, hate or fry. Hate or fry. I should put on a bit of disguise. There are two victimless crimes, all right? One, jerking off when your window's open. Two, <laughs> necrophilia. I'm confessing to a large-scale crime. Okay. All right. right Legs akimbo engaged in sexual discourse. Come on, man. What kind of guest are you? It's archive for posterity. Great internet. So uh, it'll, uh, it'll come back to haunt you every day. It's time to riff. Oh, that is right, bitches and motherfuckers. It is February 11th, 2013, episode 98 of Straight Riffin', and it is time to riff the fuck on. I am your host, Reverend Mitch, and with me, as always, is the difficult brown, the hater for hire, Mr. Teddy TMI Tutson. How in the fuck are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm hanging in there right now, mm-hmm. getting my Galactus on. Do you know what I'm saying? Mississippi nope. is burning, but we are still marching across the bridge. Yonder lies freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what... I don't know why you had to bring Galactus into this. I don't even know what that is, so that's cool. And our guest this evening, who hasn't been on the show since our old Thank studio, uh, yeah, yeah. joining us for the second installment of our Dose. now... Annual <laughs> uh, Blackuary Black Riffin celebration, Mister Guy Groves. How the fuck are you, sir? You goddamn right. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's up? I'm no, like, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, that's, that's the best. That's like old. That's old. Black I can't dude. help it. I always say that when that's old. Old black man greet with, "Hey, sir, how you doing today? You, you goddamn right. You goddamn yeah. right. Yeah. Nah, I'm good, man. I'm trying to stay alive and shit, man. That's what. That's the theme that's, of the week. That's a real I'm trying uh, to stay alive. All right, that's a heavy way to start the show. That's what not heavy, that bro. That's light, son. That's real casual. Right, come on, we just talked about it. I look like that food is killing everybody. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Wow. You Listen, do have to sort of. Uh, I gotta stay in the shadows. Guy, guy already has a real uh, high staying alive threshold. Anyway, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Just. Every so day you life. disco everywhere you go, staying alive. Yeah, man, I disco. Real high. <laughs> I'm a ninja. Staying alive. Man. You, you <laughs> say it. I hate you. Now just going to move on? <laughs> just going to move <laughs> past that? No, all right, all right. Are you, are you, like, when you're walking out, have you had any uh, police cars pass you by? Have you seen any? Yeah, everywhere I go. You know, <laughs> I duck my head down in the truck, you know what I mean? Mm. I, drive, I drive a Tahoe. Is right. what did you? Why did you just take a cab here? Did you drive here? Yeah, I drove. Man. You I'm, you I'm, putting I'm, everybody in danger, bro. I'm taking the risk. You putting the all risk. the citizens of Rivera. Yo, man, I'm not giving up my freedom, man. I earned it. I earned it. I'm not giving it up. You gonna take your freedom to the other side? Damn right. I'm free. <laughs> and you can tell by the way he drives that he's not the guy you're after. No, exactly, he's a ladies' man. Stay alive. Are you, you going to join the bandwagon of of painting? I am not. 
uh, Dorner, please do not shoot me on, nah. your, uh, on your person. You nice try, Dorner. Yeah. I just don't think that Dorner in this situation is going to be leaning to the side, you know what I mean, <laughs> listening to Pete Rock or something. You, you know, know what? what? Like, that's what I'm doing right now. Ain't nobody right. going right. to See, that. now, your Pete Rock is a good choice because mm-hmm. uh, uh, if you have a black officer in the squad car, they might be like, no, no, he's good. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? But... I would personally, as a friend, mm-hmm. recommend going real heavy on Phil Collins <laughs> for the next oh, yeah. like two weeks. Son. Bon Jovi, put some Bon Jovi. I, I personally recommend uh, uh, Phil Collins, mm-hmm. Bon Jovi. I'm mm-hmm. some real uh, Elton John in his heyday. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, you might even want to go um, to uh, old school and just go to uh, you know Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond is perfect. Chubby Checker is also real good. Okay. Chubby check I can get down with. Neil now, Diamond, see, I don't know. Y'all must want me to kill myself. I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm the exact I'm opposite, now. brother. <laughs> I can't roll with Neil Diamond listen, blasting through my speakers. Now, I listen. Can't. I don't know First if it's just because right. I'm white, but Neil Diamond is Sweet good Caroline shit. Sweet Caroline is a I'm good not, jam. I'm not, knocking, okay? I'm not knocking it. America, Look, if you, I'm if not you drove Diamond, around in your truck playing Neil Diamond America, I guarantee mm-hmm. you they would probably even induct you on the police On the boat and on the plane. Today. They're coming to America. This song is about the immigration problem. Right? You could roll down windows just blaring I'm America. Gonna I'm going yeah. to try that. Today! No, don't try it. Don't try it. It's all hypothetical right now. Please yeah, don't bring right. any unnecessary attention to yourself. This is probably, this is all pure speculation right so now. Then I'll keep, Riffin I'll keep, talk. <laughs> I keep leaning to the side. But it don't dance and sing mm-hmm. it don't walk. I'm, I'm honestly, you are braver than I would. I would not have driven my Tahoe out. Everybody's talking about staying in the house. I'm like, man. I'm not driving trucks out, bro. I pay taxes. I ain't staying in the crib. I will say that, like, one of my weirdest big fears would be, like, walking down the street, like, with a jacket on and cops pulling up in front of me while my hand is inside the jacket. They wouldn't, first of all... They wouldn't even. You would be dead. I was about to say you, it's murder season if they caught you doing that. If they like, what if, what you, if they're like, show me your ID? No, nope, I'm like, I gotta, no, nope, I gotta. Nope, it's in nah, the, nah, nah, nah. Now, now this is the difference. I'm just saying, like, let's say I'm scratching my side you, and I'm all, eh, and then I if, see lights and they're like, put your hands up. I'd be like, if someone I do like, not have like, I literally don't know. I almost feel like I should talk to a cop, like pull one aside one day and go, listen. The fact how that, do I get out of that situation? How would I say? I do not have a weapon in my jacket. There's no way to get out of it. They're gonna kill you. But they already did. They already proved what's gonna happen. You see, they had two yeah. Latina housekeepers Listen, that got bucked. They we didn't don't get to put their hands up. Right? They we don't need a fucking. Uh, They're alive, so uh, that's good. Yeah, it's not hard to figure out what's gonna happen, son. You not listen. You might be of anyone in this room. You might have the the. Well, that's best what I'm saying. Because I'm white. Yeah. Maybe they believe me. But even now, son, the shit is so paranoid. They're just ramming trucks off the road and open fire on motherfuckers. Okay, son. Yeah. They're back to the battle they, ram. They now. are. This is pure survival instinct right now, son. We are. We are. Pre-social contract right now. Do yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Motherfuckers are just going. It's murder season, son. So if you were caught with your hand inside your jacket, it would You're be dead. Get your, get your hand out my pocket. And then, brah, brah, son. You're brah. dead. You're dead. What do you do? You're walking down the street. Cop stops in front of you, shines a light on you, says, "Put your hands up." And you, let's say to me, you put. Your, I say yeah. thank you first of all for not shooting. me. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Thank, thank you, you sir. officer. Thank you. Please don't shoot me. Can I thank get your, you? Thank you for I this moment. Number? I will write a letter uh, commending you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For recommendation. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, um, I mean, I would, I would definitely. I mean, you just fucking his hands up, frozen, son. Like, like, I'm not a threat. All, all that goes through your head is to like communicate. I am not a threat. Do you yeah, know what I mean? You ain't got a chance. You got <laughs> no chance. Bro. You ain't got a chance. You got no mm-hmm. chance, son. It's. I mean, like, it's funny to hear people entertain when it comes to police, and they like, well, like, if I were. Uh, 
you know, in that situation, and I would do this, and it's like you don't even understand what that situation is about fundamentally, yeah, because you're implying you can't you can't try and impose a bunch of rational decision making into an environment that is kill or be killed. Oh, period. Yeah. Well, it. let me let me tell you a true story. Back in high school, uh, when I used to do performance art. I was out pretty late. Uh, I was out at, let's say, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I really, it really took me a second a, to appreciate that. Let me tell you about this time I did performance art. And, uh, and I was <laughs> throwing paint. Oh, no, well, I wasn't doing, by the way, I wasn't doing it on the street. I went to a club. I was part of an industrial band's act. And then uh, uh, one of the guys in the band lived down the street from me. So I just went to his place. We hung out a little bit, got high, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to walk home. So at this point, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm dressed all in black. I've got, like, makeup smears on my face. I probably look pretty crazy. Right. And I'm walking, you know, three, four blocks home. And um, there's several police cars just around the area. And, I, you know, this is Phoenix. This is This is, like... Suburban Phoenix this is not a, uh, and it was odd to me. I was like, "Why are all these cops around?" And then at one point, I'm about a block from my house. I can see my house. I'm, I'm walking towards the house, and there's this cop that's like slowly down the street, kind of following me. And I'm just thinking, "Oh God, I'm out after curfew. I'm I'm fucked." So I start booking it to my house. Uh, he speeds up. I get to my house. I don't have my key on me. I'm ringing the doorbell. I'm like, "Come on!" My mom opens the door. She must have been like half awake, didn't ask any questions. I just ran and closed the door, locked the door. As the cop was walking up to my door, and I looked at the people, he just turned around and went back. That's amazing. Yeah. What's yeah. more, here's more amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I went to school that following Monday, and uh, a guy had been shot in the exact area that I was in, like where I had started out from my friend's house, like mm-hmm. half a block from there. Some some guy about my age shot some other guy about my age, and they were looking for that dude. And so now I think, like, that's some shoddy police work. They didn't even question me. Well, he saw your mom, so he figured, okay, mm-hmm. he got parental supervision. Yeah. We'll You're go. not too bitch of a scum. He can't be that bad. Yeah. He looks like shit, but his mom is there. <laughs> at least he got somebody that loves him. Nobody with a mom could possibly shoot anyone. <laughs> right. I mean, Parole you, granted. You'd be amazing some of the things that fucking uh, that go through, bro. I mean, like, LAPD, bro, is... is. I mean, granted, who knows? The kid could have been, like, you know, uh, Mexican. I mean, I think Chinese that's the thing where it's like, black. it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, the city is almost fucking irrelevant, almost. Especially if you're talking about major urban areas and you are a minority. You, it's just a way of life yeah. that you do everything that you can to minimize looking like you have any kind of risk element that should happen when i was in new york uh when i was entering the daily show and i was leaving a fucking office party and it was a it was a it was a theme you could dress up like it was like under the harvest moon so you could either dress up like mm-hmm. a prom style because mm-hmm. prom or you could dress up like harvest moon cowboy western kind of thing me and a friend harvest moon, isn't that a beer listen no it is a beer but it's also oh, okay. a way okay. of life okay son. I, that's it's right a way of life not, okay do you know about this way of life hell fucking no i've never <laughs> okay I'm confused as well. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't the only one. You don't know about under that harvest moon life? You you ain't not about that life, son. You're not about I know about the Tahitian moon. You're not about that life. Anyway, I'm trying to tell you what that life is all about. Please, I'm sorry. Me and my man Dusty Shekels, 
uh, dressed up like bank robbers. That's a good okay? name, Shout by out the way. to Dusty Shekels. Oh, man, that, was, State's I just want to say that that was, a, uh, uh, that was genius. <laughs> Some black dudes dressed up like bank robbers. No, Are no, y'all hearing this No, shit? no, no. Dusty Shekels, <laughs> is, Dusty Shekels, a white dude uh, from Indiana. That's uh, a good name. State. He had, awesome a, he had a very curly fro, though. So we were both froed out, all right? Um, so me Jewish and Dusty, uh, I don't know if he was Jewish or not. I, I cannot tell. Uh, but we had, we had the okay. bandanas. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, that we could go around the neck or around the face. We had sheriff badges, fake, clearly fake guns. All right. We had cowboy hats. All right. Oh, we showed up. Uh, we were baller ass train robbers. Okay. We shut down the party. It was awesome. Did a lot of drinking. I took a cab back with a friend of mine, uh, to make sure that she could get home. Okay. And then I'm going back to the train to Queens. All right. Uh, not to Queens. Um, Queens, son. Queens, kid. <laughs> Word uh, yeah, no, peace to the guard. Going back, going back to Jackson Heights, son. I'm going back to Jackson Heights. Okay. So, I'm fucking walking off the train, and I'm just like a block away from the apartment. I finally made it back, and I really had to pee, dude. I really had to pee, so I thought I found an alley, and I was like, yo, let me just pee in this alley, and then I'm done. Yeah. And then I start peeing, and I look up, and there's people like holding hands across the street. I'm like, well, that's weird for an alley. Like, oh, my God, you're peeing like, in the like, alley. They're like, they're like cars stopping, right. and I'm like, that's weird. for." And like, it turns out it's a four-way intersection, uh, four-way stop, and I'm actually peeing outside the lobby of a bank. It's late at night. It's all closed. Okay? But I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make moves, yo. I gotta yeah. make moves. Mm-hmm. But before I had even got on this path, right, I had my fake gun when I got on the train, and I just dropped that shit in the mailbox. Because I was like, I gotta get rid of you. Yo, man, I'm gonna send this to somebody else, I just, kid. I just dropped it in the mailbox. I didn't even give a fuck how suspicious I look putting a fake gun in the mailbox. I'm send this out, I was kid. like, I'm out, son. I'm out. I gotta get rid of it, okay? So I'm just off the train, right? I start walking, and I'm just fucking, I'm just hauling ass, right? Hauling ass, trying to get, I'm just, I can see my apartment, and then I hear somebody just fucking, just like, hey, excuse me? And then this guy just fucking throws me up against the wall, this short-ass buff cop, and he just had fucking apparently been, like, on patrol down the block and seen a dude, as he later told me, he's like, I just fucking stand on the corner, you just whip your fucking dick out? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, fucking walk a Texas Ranger, because then I showed him my ID, and he said I was from Texas, and then, so your man just starts calling for backup, right? So I'm there against the wall, and he's just yelling at me. I got, uh, some lady rolled up on a fucking cart, and she's like, I got your backup call, what happened? He's like, oh, fucking walk a Texas Ranger, whip this fucking dick out over here. And I'm like, oh my god, this is terrible. And then another dude came on back up on foot, right? And I was like, thank you, God, I put that gun in the mailbox, son, or I would be dead right now, B. I'd be dead. That's I put, true. That shit would have saved my life. So shit is not even a joke, son. That's one of the smartest things I ever did in my life. I, I am I am blown away that you even got to the point where you left anywhere with a plastic gun on you and was just rolling with <laughs> the it. Way I that, tell you, the way that you talk, how good of a party it was. That the way that you talk about your constant <laughs> vigilance and paranoia in everyday life, you're telling me that there exists a reality. <laughs> Wherein a younger Teddy was yeah. like, fuck it, I just walk around with a plastic gun, whip my dick out, pee on a bank. No, 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 no. Exactly. The gun, exactly. the gun was gone before I peed on the bank. The gun was gone before I peed on the bank, son. A gun was gone before I got on the train. You do like, realize that basically a black man with a gun peed on a bank. No, I didn't have a gun. Late at night in New York City. Oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's how deep. And I you survived. You, you I survived told you that I yeah. got rid of the gun before I peed on the bank, but I still can't even get a fucking retraction in the front page, son. No, you can't give I did survive, though. That's really what is mom. No, I mean, me, that's, I'm fucking amazed. Uh, this whole thing. It I'm did also away. give me an amazing Guy, do you, have any, uh, do you have any close I encounters mean, of the police kind? Most people don't believe that profiling exists, but the last time I got pulled over was last year, around April. 
My homeboy, shout out to my homeboy Danny Medina, his birthday in Long Beach. Mm. Oh. And I didn't know about Long Beach. I had no idea. I don't go over that way. I went to his birthday party. By this point, everyone just associates Long Beach with Snoop and marijuana and just pretty much. And that's and and that's what I was looking for. I was like, where does Snoop Dogg live? Is he (laughs) over this mug? I want to see what's up with Snoop Dogg. But um, everyone I I know that lives in Long Beach smokes a lot of weed, so it's not far off. But go ahead. But I got pulled over in a shopping mall. Like I didn't even get out the mall. Like I'm trying to get out, and the dude pulls me over. And the funny thing about it is, I'm driving my truck, my Tahoe, playing my music at maximum volume, right? So he pulls me over, living free. And here's here's the crazy part. I say, "Is there a problem, officer?" He says, "Oh, you missed a stop sign inside the mall." Wow, he got you for one of those. He got me for a stop sign that's inside the shopping center. So he goes, "Oh, let me oh, see." Nobody uh, respects those uh, license and registration, please. I get my license. Now, this is real shit. He gets the license, and on my license, if you see it, I have a suit on. So he takes the license, he looks at it, and he says, No. Well, you don't look like you're a bad person. You look like you're a decent person. I'm looking here. I see you look like you're somebody who's employed. You're gamefully employed. You weren't trying to cause any harm, were you? And I was like, Damn. My license got me out of an ass whooping <laughs> in Long Beach. I mean, seriously, real talk. I'll pull it out and I'll show you. And it's crazy. I have the polar opposite on my license. Because I had on... Worlds be collided. I got my right mohawk there. and shit. I am wearing a suit, though, but I still have my mohawk and my piercings in. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. It's amazing. Well, you look amazing. like you run a bank. And like you... You're the, you're the manager of the bank. That you pretty look much... like you beat up an elderly person on yeah. the way to the DMV. And Although I will say, I've gotten free drinks out of my ID. But you know, you they're know like, what? man, that's balls. Mohawk on an ID. The fact that that fool pulled me over in the mall. In the mall, I didn't even think you. I didn't think anybody enforced traffic in the mall parking lot stop nah. signs. No, he saw me and he heard that music. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, you're driving a fifty thousand dollar truck, mm-hmm. and you a black dude. You blasting music once again, man. On See, that's what I'm trying to tell all y'all, motherfuckers. We need to rally around the bus. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can't. And Neil Diamond, you gonna stop a bus? You gonna stop everybody? I got numbers on my side for this citation. Exactly. I don't know. I gotta say, a dude in a suit on a bus makes me far more concerned than a dude in a suit in a Tahoe. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? As like, dude, why are you wearing a, dude, a suit on the bus? As the dude, you, who you're going was to parole hearing or something on the bus. Many time when I was doing the corporate job, and I was just uh, one of the fanciest dudes. And like me, I would see other dudes. Mm. On the, in suits on the bus, and like you would have that look, and you would both be that look of being like, we are really, really destitute, are we? Like we are like, hey man, why the fuck are you on this? Yeah, bus? right. You know what I mean? He's like, listen, I know why I'm on this. I bus. know why I'm on this bus, but why are you? On <laughs> this I know, bus? and I know why, and it's not good. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no <laughs> happiness about why I'm on this bus. So I'm not, I'm not gonna give you the benefit of the doubt, brother. You don't get it. Do you understand me? I'm not fooled by the fancy threads. Like some I of always other figure, people. I literally always figure anybody on the bus wearing a suit is going to like a parole hearing. That's just me. That's just me. You were the worst, bro. I mean, instead, I am. We, Look, instead, I I judge no, no, everybody no, no, no. on that, the bus. That's a pretty I good. Do. That's a pretty good assertion right there. To be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Gross. You got a suit. Thank you. You, you know what I mean? That's that, that seems pretty damn good, dude. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, appreciate it. that. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah, I judge everybody on the bus. I've said it before. I'm not proud of it. It's just what I am. You're it's the, just how I am. You are the reason it's so hard for me to ride the bus. I'm sure. I don't doubt that at all. I'm, I'm not a good person when it comes to not judging people on the bus. I will judge everybody on the bus. I will pass that along to all the rest <laughs> of the members of the working poor all right, that so, I see. So next question. You ride it. What you sit? You sit in the front or the back? Uh, personally, I like to sit in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I'm from Chicago. Like if you if you if you if you was cool, you had balls, you sat in the back. And you waited to get robbed. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just waited for the telling me all that all that fighting, you just waited all that shit. Rosa it, Parks and uh, all that trouble. And you're like, I'm not gonna you're not gonna just out of premise you sit in the front. In the back. Look, right. we used to wait, man, at the train station, right? And we would spend our transportation money, right? So we supposed to buy a bus pass or whatever. We would spend that. So you, the mom gave you $35. We would spend that. We would wait at the train station, and we would all mob the back door of the bus and sit in there and hide like we paid. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then within a matter of miles, you would get robbed by the El Rukins <laughs> or the Black Gangster Disciple Nation right. because you was a Catholic school kid, and everybody knew that we didn't throw down. You rode your bus. You rode it too far out of your jurisdiction. Exactly. Like, nope. Nope, you're in the Badlands now, kid. No, you had to go through it to get home, trust me. Oh, yeah? If you went to a prep school in Chicago, mm. for you to get to your house on the south side... So you, it was like them real life, like the the old school PSAs, which I know they don't run anymore, and that's that's so sad. But like the, the, the remember the PSA, like the fucking black kid who was going through just like the the inner city, mm-hmm. the greatest obstacle course of all time, and then he's just like trying to navigate or whatever, and like finally, mm-hmm. you know, like the the hoods come up to him and he's like, no, I'm just trying to read, and they're like respect. And like that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, you ain't no goddamn yeah, respect. Right? They no. set your book on fire. Yeah, right. They'll be like, yeah, you talking about respect. That's a, that's a PSA. I remember that PSA. This kid was like dodging every fucking hood mm-hmm. element. And I feel like I saw that in Phoenix too, and I totally never understood it. But I, he was like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't real. work on like a young white yeah, kid. Yeah, but like at know? the end of it, you know what I mean? I didn't like, understand. I was buses. like, I was like, that kid is dead, bro. That kid yeah. is not. If they caught up to that motherfucker, they're not like, here's your book back. Yeah. Which I think is what happens or whatever, because he like dropped his book and they're chasing him and he's like running away from him or some shit like that. Yeah. But then no, son, they go take you. No, in in real Chicago, if you you went to a Catholic school or you went to a private school or whatever trying to get an education, you still live in the same hood as everybody else, or you still got to go through it on Which the train. Which I feel like, and that's bus, that's really weird to describe for people, and that's what like gets. I feel like that's what always gets lost. Ugh. So, are you one of those people that like if somebody hits you? Because of the growing up, because of the fights, I assume, uh, somebody hits you, you go, you better kill me. Where it's like, you know, because you can take a hit. You know, my mother described it. If someone comes at you. Is that just me? My mother described it like this. Like my mom, (laughs) my mom said, I'm going to sum up your upbringing in one sentence. She said, you basically a a kid with values that went to private school that was paid for by thugs. Mm. Hmm. She said, that's pretty much it. If there was an issue, you know, aka with, the American dream, you know I mean? baby. If, if, if oh, there yeah. was, if there was an issue with us getting money, you know, for you to go to that school, your grandfather gets his, you know, his pool cue and goes up the street and he goes and makes the money. Yeah. You know, he goes and hustles the money. Nice. Or your uncle just shows up with the money. We don't know where he got the goddamn money from, but he shows up. You don't ask, yeah, you know yeah, I guess. So she said, so understand, like you're always going to have, you know, that duality in your mind wherever you go. You know, and a lot of people don't realize that about me until they talk to me. Like uh, one of my comedian homeboys, Smokey D's, he was like, you know, when I first met you and I saw you standing in the corner in a suit, he said, okay, this dude is either security or some corny ass dude in a suit, (laughs) you know, that's just hanging out in the club, checking everybody else out. And then I got on stage and did my thing. And afterwards he was like, you know, you're not the person I thought you were. So, you know. In a good way? In meaning... He he admired what I did as a performer, but at the same time as a person, he felt like he could connect with me. I mean, it's, I mean, when you, you know? see guy for the first time, I think we touched on this the last time that you were that you're on. You're, I mean, you you've got such an immediate presence just because you are usually bigger than most of the people that you're performing with. You, you know? goddamn so right. 
<laughs> Get your ass out the way and give me the microphone, bitch. Uh, I would, right? I would love this. If we <laughs> had like, fair, like, if you were actually at a show, you'd be like, that's not the guy Groves who just said that. Because yeah, he's yeah. more like, hey, like, how are you doing? How you doing? It's a pleasure gonna, to meet you. In a bizarro world, oh, though, okay. there is a guy who's like, lightly hey, motherfucker, this yeah, is yeah. my open mic. <laughs> Get off the stage, bitch. <laughs> guy Groves, who? <laughs> oh man, that's on the inside. That's my inside voice. Ooh, this is the perfect look, time. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Because look, everybody know they beat me. They're like, oh man, such a cool dude, man. But you know, at first, you know, they see me in the corner, they automatically assume I'm a I'm a federal agent or I'm a drug dealer. Or something's got to be wrong with that guy standing yeah. over there. But you know, I'm a cool dude. I'm a regular dude, man. I'm not. Now, now to be fair, I mean it's tricky because I I see somebody with a suit in the comedy club. I go, oh, comedian. Like I, you know, what I mean, if yeah. I would have like on the street, I have no idea what I would have. Although this is something in my I've head, I don't think that I would have thought anything differently. Thing, but who knows? I feel like it's a is a real uh, kind of cultural divide amongst uh, comedians uh, that I've noticed. Oh yeah, uh, the suit. Is a weird like wh- a lot of white comedians just they don't fucking understand. I'll, I'll, I'll be real. I'll tell you, there are cats that will not work with me because of that. Yeah. Because okay, I guess the idea is for me to be able to do what I do with that on. Yeah. There's something wrong with that. To well, and I think this is a thing where I, uh, this is a real big divide. Uh, and I think I mean it's you know it's obviously uh, it's where I feel like a lot of white. Comedian performers, um, and I mean, we're talking about suits, so these are males, just in case someone, you know, I mean, so in that instance, um, for a lot of them, because so many people are fucking acting out, you know, it's it's the therapy session, you know what I mean, for so many people, and in a large way, the suit represents a lot of the shit they are rebelling against from from their fathers, who are the suits and the people that run the entertainment industry that they're trying to break into and that limit them creatively. So it's very weird for all of a sudden uh, minorities and people of color... Who and who are like, yeah, I'll wear a suit on stage. Of course, I'm fucking. Of course, why wouldn't I wear a suit on stage? They can't really understand that because they it, they like you don't have an understanding of our complicated history with authority, right? And and it's like, and that's that's something that I've really come to notice uh, over the last few months. Really, that's this kind of bubbled up is that white performers have a have a very heavy. Just anathema mm. of suits and people of color are like the fuck are y'all like y'all need to get over that shit. To be honest though, man, I'm, I had just as many problems with brothers because you know I went to a show for example that happens on Mondays. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest shows in Hollywood. Oh really? And the producer of the show basically told me you can't come in here with that on. This is too rough of a room. I'm like, look, but I'm funny. I got jokes, man. I'm good. I I I'll kill this. I watched your show. I feel like, nah, nah, you can't come in. And within the community, it's just as bad of a divide over fashion. You know what I mean? As it is over anything else, believe it or not. Like, you know, whether you got street credibility or not, a lot of times depends on how you carry yourself, not the character of who you are, you know, where you came from. Sure, sure. You know, it's it's real hardcore in the community, too. I think what happens, believe it or not, is what happens in the hood and what happens on the streets where people have street credibility. I think it spills over into everybody else's culture because people are trying to imitate it because they want to believe right. that they're real, they're hard, they're tough. We right, all know right. this. Yeah. You know, NWA all of a sudden, you know, is performing, you know, with U2 and all these people. And yeah. people are thinking I need to be that. 
the truth is a lot of people don't realize what that is yeah. and like how hard a life that is. Look, a lot of people ain't had freaking sugar sandwiches and shit, dog. Yeah. They ain't had to deal with all of that. Yeah. They, What's you a know, sugar sandwich? See, a, here we go. I love it. Yeah, there's a sugar and let's sandwich. Let's go ahead. on the bowl of Blackie Wear Black Ribbon. What is a sugar sandwich? You know what I mean? A lot of, what's a sugar it is sandwich? It's basically, sandwich. It, you know, it's basically like this. Oscar Mayer bologna. When you, when you, it, when, <laughs> oh, dog, it's worth it. That is luxury. <laughs> don't you bring that fucking lap of luxury <laughs> opulence in it. Is disgusting. Lap of luxury, Oscar Mayer bologna is not lap of luxury. Okay. Yo, when you, to a sugar sandwich. Yo, I mean, when, what's when you, a sugar sandwich? When you're extremely poor, I mean, when you're extreme poverty, people will make a meal out of anything. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, no joke, sugar water, sugar sandwiches. When you're poor, you're in the hood, you're in the projects. Mm. That's the kind of stuff that people use to try to make themselves. And they happy. eat for weeks. I mean, yeah, and they like, do if you, it. If you look at like, uh, you know, uh, you've a lot of uh, you know big time athletes. That's uh, if you ever look at their stories and they mm-hmm. talk about coming out of public housing. That was one of the things that I think it was either Michael Irvin or Emmett Smith. Yeah. Um, mentioned you know once they got their contract because they grew up and there was never any food in the pantry and they had to eat. You know, uh, I can't remember what kind of sandwich it was, but it was something almost equivalent to a sugar sandwich. It was the same kind of thing where you're almost just eating bread and the bread isn't even that good. And yeah. you've got government cheese. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You are you are you are in public assistance. And so he that stigma was so great that uh, even though he wasn't really home ever, like he like it was this fucking the almost like. It was this fixture that I have to keep my pantry fully stocked with everything, yeah. especially all the things that I could not get when I was a kid, even if I don't like them now, like cereals and shit that aren't healthy or that I don't like. But I just the fact that I can get them and that they'll yeah. never run out. I need it, which is that psychology of poverty that is so hard to really express to people. You know, what yeah. I mean? where you're like, yeah, I know it's irrational, but <clears throat> my only uh, exposure to the government cheese was uh, was uh, in living color when they did the Dr. Seuss uh I will not eat government cheese. I will not eat it. It makes me wheeze. Which were two things I'd never heard of, wheezing and government cheese. I tell you straight up, though, government cheese, butter, honey. When I moved out to crib for the first time, I'm like 19, me and my oldest brother moved out. My grandfather came to me and said, yo, put these big old blocks of butter and cheese in your freezer and put this honey on that shelf because one day y'all going to need it because y'all know how to manage no money. The minute that we ran out of cash, oh, man, I stole some bread from work where I was at. I came home, butter, cheese, honey. Man, we was having a feast. I mean, that's the thing is that a lot of people don't realize that there's something behind all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, there's something it's a basic human inst- survival instinct. You know survival I mean? back to where we started at, dude. It's just all about staying alive. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a lot of the people that want to reject corporate America, right? They haven't had those challenges really. Right, and it's a, and it's a, it's a sense of like you know, and I think that's the kind of thing where if you look at, um, and even and I think that's the thing where it's like uh, it's interesting, like you're saying, even within the black community, if you look at sort of. Uh, you know, prominent black comedians. You've got the whole range of aesthetic garb on stage. You've got Chris yep. Rock, who's much more in the classical aesthetic sense of, you know, if I'm doing an HBO special, I'm doing my fucking suit. Shit's custom tailored. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you've got on the other end, you could you could get a Chappelle who's mm. going out with a fucking you know Ali and Zaire T-shirt and a, a sports coat. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. And which is like, you know, what I'm saying it's shit's casual, you know. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, there's that there's a there's a wide range of sort of things but it's weird like I, I feel like I haven't I know that there's definitely that sense of like yeah we can't have you in suits because it, like you don't look like you're hood enough you mm-hmm. know what I mean but it's also it's also that sense of 
you know, where like, I mean, it's a, it's a weird dichotomy, you know, because you're like, well, I mean, there are plenty of black shows mm-hmm. where there's lots of other things. Like we just had Quincy Jones on, and Quincy, right. you know, is like Quincy is someone who, you know, he is. A, it's a struggle in, in the sort of play to black audiences if you're going to play a predominantly black audience, right, right. and you don't fit into. The stereotype, but then it's the question of like, well, who even set the fucking stereotype in the first place and why are y'all enforcing it? And that's my whole point. That's where, like I say, the community is conflicted. You know what I mean? Look, it don't matter what you're wearing from across the street if you're going to be profiled. Right. They're not going to look at you and see the suit or see whatever and yeah. say, you know what I mean? I'm going to decide whether or not I'm going to pull this dude over or talk to this dude because, you know, they see you're black, you're right. going to get pulled over. Yeah, now, it's the same thing. Now, yeah. once they interact with you, there might be a choice that they can make there, like in my case with the license. But the fact that I got pulled over, it, it all he saw was a bald headed black dude in a truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? He heard some loud music, so he figured I got to pull this dude over. But I think the community is real confused. You know what I mean? They went for that okie doke of judging each other based on these standards. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same thing that happens, you know, where it's like the whole light skin, dark skin issue that, you know, and that shit still exists. It still exists, which is, which is fucking, it's bizarre as fuck because it is an entirely outside external force that was projected into black community and it's still. Some of them like, oh, y'all light-skinned motherfuckers or yellow bones and stuff. Oh, just a minute ago, they was like, basically, we're trying to make sure that light-skinned don't come back in style. Well, your cousin is light-skinned, so you're well, saying your you, cousin what? is out of style? I mean, oh, let's, wait, let's, this was on every... And, and now, Guy Groves gives us a history of skin pigmentation real, in the where black was that? community. Okay, where was real that talk. Said. This was on... Every rap record, probably about three, four and, years ago. Well, let, let's, well, it started back, you know, definitely in the eighties. In the eighties, for sure, like Elder, it was Elder Barge. It was huge. Like it was huge. Like rappers would sort of, you know, would talk about whether or not they wanted light skinned women or not. You yeah. know, what I mean, you would have a lot of lyrics about Nubian princesses. So, like the skin, skin tone was huge. And, it, and like, and that, and that was a reflection of back in the sixties in the civil rights era, when if you were light enough, you could pass in white society, exactly, unless someone blew your cover. You know. And so the evolution of that was in the 80s where it was like, yeah, I want light-skinned sisters or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? And so then it was like how you treated your hair and skin tone and shit. So there's always that level of What's self-hate. That, that, yeah, it was that Chris self-loathing. Rock documentary. Good hair. Good, good hair. hair. The evolution of hair weaves uh, yeah, was good, that whole thing trying good to hair, with Good it. hair is, is yeah, Chris well, Rock's documentary. But the hair and the hair care product essentially is, it's. I mean, it all comes down to that. The light skin, so yeah, you were saying, go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. A I couple mean, years ago, you were saying. A couple years ago, I mean, the bottom line is they started that whole assault <laughs> of trying to stop light skin from coming back in style. I personally thought that we were past that, you know, to some extent. Because I think everybody saw. I blame Muhammad Ali. Why are you blaming Muhammad Ali? Why are you blaming <laughs> the GOAT? Oh, because he, he, he was speaking at Klan rallies. About what? how red birds were red birds and blue birds were blue birds. I'm not even making that up. You can look that up. That's, nah. that's, that there is footage of him at Klan rallies giving speeches about how black should stay with black and white should stay with white. Really? Now listen. Now listen. I don't literally blame him. I'm, not, I'm just saying it's I know, but, you know. But let's let's in the in the historical context that Ali was making those. You've also got Malcolm X, who was very much so in the same sense of. Uh, you know, not uh, condoning interracial relationships and marriage. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, however, by the time, uh, you know, before he gets assassinated, after he comes back from Mecca, he is like, listen, that's up to y'all. All right. I don't, that shit doesn't matter to me at all. He has a, he has a change of pace. So, 
I mean, I can understand. There's a lot of prominent black intellectuals and figures who at that time were mm. like, fuck yeah, fuck y'all. Yeah, stick away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it was you, weird. Like, but they like come one of the away things is like uh, Joe Frazier. Where he would like call him a gorilla, and he's too dark. Look how yeah, dark he is. He's a true. black, ugly gorilla. Ali knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was. It was you, I'll grant you that it was. I'll grant you that it was like a, it was a. It was a PR campaign. It was a lot of like. It's weird because Joe okay. Frazier was the one who got Muhammad Ali back into boxing, paid his bills while he was out the of thing boxing. About the, cetera, Ali, the thing about Ali that makes him uh, so great as a performer and Which, as by an the entertainer. Way, word on the street is he's got about two weeks yeah, to go. Yeah, they're saying Ali's on his. Uh, right. final days but I think the thing that makes Ali if you really appreciate Ali you know not so much as a boxer but as really as a you know just vaudevillian almost character at that time when boxing was the sport the nation's theater you know I mean it was absolutely. it was a yeah, sport yeah. absolutely and it, there is that sense, like you're saying, where, yeah, I mean, he did fuck. I mean, he was dirty in the things yeah. that he said about George yeah. Frazier, man, the gorilla comments and shit like that. But who, again, and this is what I always think about whenever we talk about Hollywood and, and the fucking shows that roll out, like 1600 Pin on NBC, which makes me want to burn everything to the ground every time I see that shit. But I always know in the end it has to come back to why does it exist as an audience? Who is the audience? Right. Who is Ali playing to? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, like Ali is playing to a black audience with all these fucking Joe Frazier comments, no doubt. But again, if we really want to dig deeper, the black audience did not create this light skin, dark skin dichotomy. Right. No, I'm not saying they did. No, 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 it, I'm, not, it, no, no I'm not saying that you did. Like, but one of the stranger things was is, no. My, go ahead. To finish is the reason that Ali is such a a remembered entertainer. Is because he is able to capture this thing that we're talking about that existed in society, which is the sense of white supremacists dictating white skin is better. Yeah. And then that leads to black people saying, well, the lighter our skin is, the, the better, better we, we are. are. Exactly. Sure, sure. And Ali, as a show, as a showman, is, is playing off of that. So yeah, the only reason we remember it and it's so successful is because he was playing to a white supremacist society. So, I mean, yeah, I, you know what, you know what I mean? So like, that is what you have to view all of Ali's fucking theatrics through the prism yeah. that he was self-aware to the point that he was perpetually playing to a white supremacist society. Well, then even let me if ask, he goes let to me, a claim let, route. let me ask, you know, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just trying to break right, full circle. That's fair. Uh, curiosity's sake, uh, because the the other thing, I mean, there's there's the Frasier documentary, the Ali Frasier documentary. I, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Uh, ESPN, um, ESPN film documentary. Probably is. is. Yeah. I, I think it was. I mean, I don't know. I saw it on HBO's on demand. So I mean, well, like, it's definitely not ESPN. Yeah. Then I love me some. Uh, I love me boxing documentaries. I've watched like three or four now. I fucking love them. Um, but uh, there's Rumble in Jungle of him and uh, don't Foreman. tell me Foreman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Don't look uh, over there. Where? But the, the Ali Frazier one is really interesting because of, like, all the racial stuff because Frazier was what Ali was. Uh, Frazier came from the background that Ali tried to perpetuate being from the background of, like, right. in, a, in the fields and so on and so forth. And Frazier didn't have these, like, huge multi-million dollar investors and all this different stuff. And... So Ali was going out going like, well, Frazier sold out. He's an Uncle Tom. He's got all these, you know, big white investors and everything else like this that are propping him up when it was like that's what he was doing. Was the other way so around, it's yeah. like in a way, in, in, to your point, he was actually playing to both audiences. It, what, I'll, I'll call it you, you can call it showmanship and that's fine. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't again, I don't literally blame the guy, but it is it's weird 
because uh, he sort of divided black and white by catering to each of them separately. Yeah. Like, to the white audience, well, he was like, again, hey, I'm with black women, don't worry about me. And the black guys, he was like, by the way, Frazier's got, got white money. Yeah. He's an Uncle Tom. You know what I mean? It's 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 odd that he played both of those and then was in, uh, you know, he's, he's but you know what Farrakhan it is? I, it's not, it's like not even, he's, you know what I mean? That's obviously like, that actually is not that odd to me because again, as you point out, Ali with all the institutional backing, mm-hmm. as we got up, this is again kind of the, what we saw with the last election, which is really, this is they've been running that playbook of we're gonna tell you this in this region, and we're gonna go to this region and tell these motherfuckers this, and there's no way that you'll ever be able to figure it out right. until after the election's over. And this was the first time that they really found out, oh shit, we can't really run from that playbook anymore. Because you can't go to Ohio and tell people that these motherfuckers are shipping jobs to China, right. and then go over to New England and talk to the people in Delaware and be like, hey, let's talk about freedom and rugged individualism. Because they'll be like, hey, you just lied to all these motherfuckers in Ohio. Yeah. And and the thing is that in Ali's time, you could get away with stoking both audiences like that. And of course, where is he going to get that example from? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The crazy part about it is it has a ripple effect. Right. It has effect on kids who don't know any better. And I give you an example since we're talking about ESPN films. They made this film called The Fab Five. I don't know if you've with seen the, it. About Michigan. Right. It's about the University of Michigan and the five freshmen that eventually started from it. And there's a part in that film where Jalen Rose and everybody, they start attacking Grant Hill. If you know about Grant Hill, his father was a successful football player, college graduate, paid for the play for the Dallas Cowboys. Grant Hill goes to Duke. He's and, an All American. His mom, his mom was an attorney. These are just kids that met each other in school. You know, their parents got him into school. They were successful. I mean, his father played football. He knocked the shit out of anybody on the street, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But these cats, because of the whole Ali thing, that whole ideal of separating inside the community, they had it in their mind that Grant Hill, and he said it. And I quote: "Grant Hill is a bitch." Now, Grant Hill was a champion. You know what I mean? Won NCAA titles, was a baller. Obviously, yeah. he came Still playing the in the NBA now. He's yeah, on his he, 18th season. Yeah, 18, Dude's rehab. His ankle looks like fucking mince meat. Exactly. But you think about it. You think about it. Their perception of him, because of the fact that he came from a different situation, you know what I mean? Because that had already came been set more up. More of an affluent suburban background as opposed Which to is the, only because his parents, his father was successful and, right. and met his mom in college. Not because they came well, I mean, from and that again, background. And then even in that sense, it's this thing like, you know, the black middle class in the country, you know what I mean? It's a sense of like, even if you were, like within the black community to be black middle class or like upper middle class, you were fucking like aristocracy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if you yeah. were a, if you were a black middle class in the 60s and mm-hmm. your family sustained enough to keep money until now, Y'all motherfuckers are just like a dynasty. You're the shit. You know what I mean? You are, you <laughs> right. are like the fucking right. like you're like the Vanderbilts in the black community. Yeah. Okay, anybody who was able to keep wealth at that level. So if you're talking about motherfuckers who had wealth from the 80s to the 90s, who were able to become lawyers and doctors and mm. fucking real upper class professionals by that point. I mean, those people were fucking like they had sustained. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And so instead of fucking rallying around them. They got fucking tore down. It's the same shit that Cosby always tries to point out, but yeah. he is so far gone at this point with a lot of his grief issues. Which is crazy. You know, I mean, it's the same, I mean, but, but it's that, it's that idea of, we talked about it here before. If you are, if you are successful and you are, you're black, you, you, you automatically know there's a segment of the community that is going, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you just for the fucking audacity of being successful. So how do you turn that around? Honestly, fucking, I, go ahead. Yeah. Honestly, my opinion. Yeah. You, look, if you're gonna succeed, 
you're going to be hated no matter what because poverty creates hate. You know what I mean? Sure. If, if you're poor, I me, mean, I look at it this way. Say I'm successful. That's like some people working on a, a, a chain gang because they're poor and they can't get any other job. And here I go getting carried, you know what I mean, by yeah. like 50 women. Yeah. You know what I mean? On my right. thing, I'm rolling through yeah. exactly. and I'm sitting up there eating grapes. Not for nothing. There's going to be some Amazonian fucking women. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Though? Like, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Though? Like, oh, man. I'm sitting there, no matter how many Amazonian, women. <laughs> yeah, Amazonian <laughs> women got it. Amazonian 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 women. Guy Groves is carried by Amazonian. Yeah, Amazonian 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 by Amazonian. Amazonian. Sorry, go ahead, hey, go ahead. Hey, you goddamn right. But <laughs> no matter, think about it though. No matter how many grapes I throw off. You know, my little chariot that they carry me on. Sure. They're still going to say, fuck that guy, man. And his Amazon. You know what I mean? Look at him with his Amazon. And, and the, problem, the problem, though, is that while, while everyone should be like, fuck that guy, there's always going to be some segment of them who'll be like, hey, a grape. That's better than no grapes. Yeah. And you always can fucking peel that group off to to splinter the fucking, you know, people who are like, hey, we need to fucking do something about this. Yeah. To, well, uh, I, the, to the, change, the change needs to come from not, hey, a grape awesome, and not, hey, fuck that dude. He thinks he's so sh- hot shit. What, you know, throw me a grape. It needs to be, I want to be the dude throwing a grape. Well, literally, what it is, yeah. is, but I mean, that's what I was about to say, and that's, that's a great point, is that the idea, well, the problem is that you have very few families, really, who can pass on a value or an idea that success and ambition can beget something not only profitable but constructive because there's plenty of black families that can teach you how to make money but it's not in a constructive way do you know what i mean or it's not in a way in which fucking let's say like plenty of motherfuckers who can learn math but they learn it for the drug trade do you know what i mean but they don't know math to run a business they don't know math to be a financial planner or they don't know math to fucking put into work to be a shoe factory you know what i'm saying like they could do a lot of things with math but none of those avenues even exist to them because no one can point it out now guy you're you're a father you got uh two kids three three okay uh, ages, uh, two twin boys, they're nine, and a daughter, she's ten. Okay. Have uh, racial inequality issues been brought up, discussed? How do you deal with that? Here's the issue with my kids. My wife is uh, Filipino and white. Okay. And, of course, I'm a brother, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I just had to say I that. <laughs> what? But of course, I'm a brother. That's so fucking. I, the way that. No. But like, listen, we've how long we've been doing this show right now. I'm like, goddamn right. Somebody's like, goddamn. You funny. wouldn't be on until April if well, you weren't. Course, I'm sorry. Exactly. Uh, February. Uh, Black you Oh man. We're discriminated uh, against people of my kind this month. I'm a brother. Whatever, son. You got rid of your couch. You had your chance. <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> No, I do think that we hold a record for most black guests of any podcast in the history of podcasts. Yeah. It's a, it's I don't care if they've been running for five years. I still guarantee you we've had more in a given year than any of those. We're going for the right, crown. So go ahead. But it's the most interesting thing to explain because, you know, like when my wife is around, I'll be honest, we're like, oh, 
you're 50% black and 25% white and 25% Filipino, right? Well, my wife ain't around. I'm like, God damn it, you black. If people <laughs> see you across the street, you're black. So they're going to start shooting. They're going to be intimidated. One cause, drop. Because real talk, people always see me and they're like, oh, you have beautiful kids. Oh, beautiful black kids. I'm like, yeah, but they 25% Filipino and 25% white. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you know, it's, I mean? and it's funny. It's always funny because it, it really is always, uh, I found you. Usually it's white people are like, well, that's not fair. They're like, it's not fair that their whiteness is a race. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Uh, we didn't do it, though. Yeah. I mean, black people did not set the one-drop rule. We didn't create the standard. Right. I mean, like, if black people had our way, like, yeah, we would acknowledge whiteness. I mean, it's not a fucking new thing for black people that white people want to have sex with them. It's yeah. been for uh, – the country is founded on that shit. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, they knew what it Sheboinkin was, and they are like, yo, <laughs> yo, yo. I got to get me some of that, Daddy. So, so I got do, you, to get me some do, of that. Do, do your kids have, have oh, white man. and black friends? Just black friends? Filipino friends? Well, you know, my, my, my kids have any type of friend. Like, my, the last birthday party my daughter went to, the girl was Russian. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's as white as you I, get. I haven't perpetuated, you know, any relationship to people mm-hmm. for them. As far as, like, for example, she goes to dance class. Right. It's every kind of kid in that dance class. Have, Everybody Have they that. had that incident where, yeah, you know, I mean, because this is a thing where, like, you know, where it's kind of like, well, how come their whiteness isn't acknowledged or whatever? But there is that incident that anybody who's black or mixed race or whatever you want to mm-hmm. say has where the world reminds them, hey, you're black. You know what's Did funny? I, I don't think so yet. I think the person who gets it the most is my wife when we're walking down the street. And she kind of begins. You know, to- people people always be like, "Okay, okay, sir. Okay, kids, go ahead. You wait a minute, lady. Wait, wait, wait yeah. a minute." And she's like, "Those are my kids. God damn it! What's wrong with you? You know yeah. what I mean?" It's like I, I always told her, I was like, you know. You should get a tan so you can look like the rest of the family. And she'd be yeah. like, you kiss my ass. I'm like, no, yeah. I, I understand what I'm saying is that people do look at you and acknowledge, you know what I mean, that there's something going on there that may be different from their family. You know, they well, do look a, at, yeah. so, and, they, and my daughter is intelligent and she picks up on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why is that black lady looking at my mom funny? You know what I mean? It's I weird. Should, yeah, I, mean, I should go over there and say something to her. Why is she looking at my mama? Fuck? Oh, you man. You don't be looking at my oh, mama. Oh, God. You don't, be looking, you don't be looking at my mama like that. What's wrong with you? You don't look, don't look at my Sassy mama. Sassy black children you got are a my problem? fucking favorite thing on earth. Oh, you got a uh, problem? Oh, my, God. my daddy said that you were ugly anyway and you skinny oh, and you need to eat. You don't be looking so, at my mama. Oh, you know what I mean? God. So how do you square basically saying like... We need to get some sassy Some people are... Yeah, dude, absolutely. <laughs> and then I need another black woman who just says skinny white bitch and y'all motherfuckers Mitch, need Jesus. What we, what we need to do eventually once we get real podcast money is Mitch is going to have a full-time assistant uh, is going to be a sassy black woman uh, who... Oh, you yeah. can do all my breakups for me. Right. And then and, and they're all in with your skinny white bitch. Uh, yeah. That's how they all Click. win. And Mitch then, don't want you no more. You need to get up out of here. Right. What you need to do is get a sandwich and some self respect you skinny white bitch click and then that's it yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh and then any bill collector she goes y'all motherfuckers need jesus and then, <laughs> and then, so how do you how do you uh square uh basically saying recognizing for the sake of your kids like recognizing like hey there's this whole contingent of people or uh, a cultural uh trope if you will mm-hmm. uh uh 
regarding your race, our race, uh, your mom's race, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> without okay, you got to make it sound less like you're subtly insulting people when you say I was that. About to say you can't you can't put it that way, bro. See, listen, this is that one thing. Why you can't end a comment a string like that with I'm your not mom, bro? It. I'm no, not no, 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 no. But you can't slip it in there. I'm just trying to cut me off. All right, I'm saying there's a cultural trope in regards to the races of both of their parents. Uh, there are, as you were saying, there are some people that are going to look at you funny, so on and so forth. So, how do you square sort of recognizing that just to just to educate them with by all and also saying, uh, but that ain't right, so don't do that. Well, this is this, this is how I make sure they at least know who they are. I I I, I, I constantly let them know that their mama likes to eat rice. Now that sounds crazy, right? But I constantly am like, look. I, I don't eat rice. Now, it sounds like a crazy thing, but, like, just straight white rice, I will not eat it. In other words, if you buy me some Chinese food or whatever, I'm going to eat everything else. That rice will still be on plate. I'm with you. But team guy. their mom, Actually as well. their yeah. mom Fried rice, yeah. was raised, you know, on white rice or whatever, right? So I always tell the kids, hey, look, this is, you know, the Asian influence in your life. I mean, I know it's just food, but they totally get it. You know, oh, okay, so we got different things going on coming from different places and so they learn to accept it. And I know that sounded way off the type that I just brought up no. freaking rice. Oh, yeah. But believe it or not, I point that out. I point that out. Look, when your mom cooks food from her culture, this is what it is and this is what they do. And they'll go, Oh, okay, so this is me. I'm like, Yeah, it is. You see what I mean? So do you find that so, it's easier for them when I you find, give them I find things that are from, you know, her background, like, you know, her dad and the things that he was into. He was a great man by the way. You know, and I try to bring it to them. Like, for example, this sounds really, really crazy, but their, her dad was really, really heavy into Bruce Lee. I wasn't that big of a deal, you know, on Bruce Lee until, you know, I met her dad. I saw that he was a big fan of it. They have seen all those movies, Enter the Dragon, all that kind of stuff. And I say, yeah, you know, that's what her dad was into. He was into martial arts. You know what I mean? This is where it's from. This is what it is. So they start realizing, wait a minute, you know, why is my dad showing me this? Because usually he just showed me a bunch of Michael Jordan tapes over and over again, <laughs> you know, trying to instill greatness in me through these goddamn videos. It's called a crossover. Yeah, exactly. Learn be, it. Be great. Be great. Make money. You know what I mean? But, you know, I started showing them things that came from her side of the family and making sure that they were in tune with it, like where it came from, why they were a fan of it, what the background was, you know, so that they have that pride. And that's the thing I think that they need in order to acknowledge it so that when the hate comes, it's not even a concern to them. Right. You know? It's not even concerned because it's going to happen. Like you said, it's going to happen. It's going to come where people are going to look, they're going to figure out, or they might ask a question. I'll give you a good example. I was in the hospital, and this is when my sons were first born, and they were sitting in the cribs, you know, the twin dudes, and their sister sitting there, and a black lady came and looked in the cribs and walked away and said, yeah, that's right, they look like the daddy. You know, I walked away. Of course, my wife is ready to fight. Yeah, no doubt. Because quite frankly, that's I really think that my wife is black, to be honest <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? I really think that she's black. She's you like, oh, she, that's going to be a straight-up Maury episode. You thought you married a Filipino, yeah, exactly. but surprise! And then she peel the face off and be like, oh, hell no. You ain't you know shit. I mean? Exactly. So, I mean, that was something we knew from the beginning. Mitchell Hyatt, you know, how do, we in, how do we infuse this knowledge, you know, that, hey, man, you really come from all these different places. Right. Even though, like you said, you're going to get treated this your, way. Your existence is one large melting pot of cultures. You know Yo, I mean? man, they need to use that. I would. Have you, so for you learning about your your wife's cultural background, is mm. that for you, like, do you have that same process as your kids are where you kind of are learning 
as you teach them her background, and you're like, holy shit, like this is some stuff that I didn't even Well, you know, I ask questions. Right. You know, I ask questions. That was my whole thing. And then when I went to visit the family, then I started seeing, you know, the differences, you know, the way people stuck together, you know, certain things that I didn't necessarily experience in my own family. How long have you and your wife been together, by the way? 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. Kudos on that. Mazel yeah, top. Man. Yeah, hell yeah. Be you goddamn right. You goddamn right. Because <laughs> it'd be times where it'd be like, I hate you. No, I hate you. You know, let's take it. Yeah, I've had my cat about that long. Then so, the I mean, Al, I'm with Then you. the Al Green comes I'm sure right. it's exactly, exactly you put, you the same thing. That, exactly. You, yeah. you put on the Al Green. Let me play this because <laughs> we, can't, we can't afford this. <laughs> what my father has taught me is that love is deep yet thrifty. Uh, no, hell yeah. <laughs> we can't afford no separation. <laughs> Well, I was going to go back to the the earlier conversation. I was thinking about like the three of us uh, comedically. We have sort of outfits, if you will, uh, not costumes, but outfits. Uh, Guy and I both wear a suit. You wear a polo. Uh, we have some other comedian friends that you know, like Jose Chavez wears a wears a hat, yeah. always wearing a hat, got a hat, uh, which makes you wonder, like, is he always going to stick with the hat yeah. thing? You know, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, uh, Judah Freelander always has a hat as well, but it's always got something, you know, written on it, something silly. Well, I mean, like yeah, that. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I guess, I, I don't know, like in my head, I, I'm with, I'm, I like to, it, it goes against, it's sort of a dichotomy because yeah, I you're kind of generally usually, usually wear the mohawk and stuff like that and I wear the suit. And it's weird because I think because of the way I look when I wear a suit, like, or just even a suit jacket and a button up shirt, which to me is just clothing. Uh, the amount of people are like, oh, look at you all dressed up. One it's like, of us. It's like One literally, us, it doesn't, it's not like it takes, <laughs> you know, I don't like jeans. I always wear dress pants. I always wear dress shoes. Uh, so really, you're a classy motherfucker. Wearing a button up shirt and then throwing I'm a jacket. I'm stunned that you got it. fucking uh, a Keanu Reeves outfit on over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is really throwing me off, man. Straight from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just, uh, just doing that Matrix thing. <laughs> Plug your ass in, see what happens. I, got one, I, got I think I think if I ass. were if I looked more like you know corporate and stuff like that, I think if I put on like a full suit with a tie and tucked everything nah, in, nah, which I don't do. Nah, if I did that, I don't think anybody would say like, "Oh, look and, at you, you all dressed up." But I think, I think it's just the fact I think that I have thing, though, looked the way I do about uh, the three of our uh, respective looks on stage, which is kind of what you're touching about, is that they all sort of play off of this uh, sense of this is what you expect. From someone who looks like me, so I'm sure. gonna I'm gonna kind of uh, feed into it a little bit, but also throw you off kilter by how I present myself. Because then you're like, well, wait a minute, yeah. And then when I start talking, you start going, okay, what the fuck's going on right now? Yeah. And that's I mean that's why it is where I wear the polo or button down because of the things that I talk about or whatever. It's a sense of oh, okay, it's a black comedian, all right, he's got a polo on, all right, it's kind of uh, unexpected, but okay, yeah, what's going on? And then I fucking hit you with whatever I hit you with, and you're like, all right, well, this is definitely not what I expected. I'm not really sure what the fuck's happening anymore. And it's same thing, you know, with guy with a suit on or whatever, and guy goes into his, you know, sure. his, his guy persona, and he starts doing his thing. And then when you have a fucking suit on, and you are able to present your ideas in that sophisticated manner, there really is that idea of playing with the audience's sense mm-hmm. of expectation. Right. Of that's why. Just what you that's look why like. I go with it. Yeah. I mean, it's. it's yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a very. And I think that the thing is, the audience though does not. Is not, and that's why it comes up when we talk about when com- comedy is less appreciated as an art form, is because your audience doesn't appreciate that level 
of uh, methodical thinking that you put into how you get there. They they really just think that you do that just showed up to tell some dick jokes usually. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so you're already working at a deficit, and then they catch up to you, and then they're like, oh, okay, yeah. So see, I wear all the piercings and the mohawk because uh, then I'm allowed to be vulgar because you're already cursing in your head. And so it's like, all right, cool, we're good. You're already expecting, you know, vulgarities. But if I don't, if I, if I, if I talk proper uh, and use proper English, then, uh, then it shocks people. And it's very, and I I think probably, um, you know, that, that's, that's why throw off the dichotomy. That's why throw off people's expectations because then like, oh, like if you can, it's, it's sort of, um, you ever watch that Jerry Seinfeld documentary comedian? Yeah. You know, when he talks about, uh, he says, uh, no matter how famous you are, you get, it's, it's good for about 30 seconds right. in the beginning of the show. That's you, true. You're good for about 30 seconds, which at the time you don't think like, you're like, especially even watching the documentary, you don't get that impression. But you know, you go to the improv and like, you know, I've, I've been on yeah, shows. Yeah, whenever you, when you see it live. Yeah, when you, I've, I've yeah, been on shows where like Chris Rock goes up on stage and everybody's losing their shit and then he pulls his Blackberry out and just starts reading and like that energy dies down lickety split yeah. where they're like, oh, Oh, okay. So, like anything. Oh, you mean that, I'm not going to witness yeah, something really? Right. You know, oh, shit. You, anything you can do to give yourself that, like, oh, in the first thirty seconds, is is really all you need. And yeah, uh, right. you know, I, always, I always just got to the point where no matter what I wear, I just treated the mic like a sledgehammer, man. No, I look at it like this. It's my goal. Like Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Again. Oh yeah! Wow! I knew wow! That. I, knew that. I knew that. Yo, yeah. yo, yo! I could write, yeah. I, could, I could write rhymes over that beat. I feel no. like I, all the Blacky Way Black riffing, <laughs> we are never gonna top. We're never the gonna two harmonize. You yeah, harmonizing Sledgehammer. Yeah. That is going to no be doubt. a fucking pinnacle moment. My brother's listening right now. He's like, "Man, I can't believe you just did that shit, dog." I tell you what you need to do. You play some Peter Gabriel. Your ass might stay alive. I can't believe you just did that. But um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, the way I treat it is like, look, is is your goal regarding Regardless of what you're wearing, to impose your will on the audience, right? Yeah. Right, right. It's a one-way medium, which is what people forget. You comedy, don't have a choice. comedy is a one-way medium. Everyone listening, as the audience, <laughs> your job is to fucking re- like you react. Okay, if you don't like it, you can react by just not fucking laughing. But it's not like there's no, it's not a two-way communicative medium. Right, it really isn't. Do you know what I mean? It is a. I am here to tell you some things, or I'm here to perform for you. Shut the fuck up. Exactly. Well, I think that's why, for instance, uh, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, certain comedians just stop doing it when they get like wildly famous because they're like, look, I don't I don't want to go onto a stage where people can can attempt to have a dialogue with me. Right. I am. I'm not to me. Eddie Murphy kind of encapsulates that because he was so like, oh, I want to be like Richard Pryor. I want to be like Richard Pryor. In in so many ways, where he started off doing filthy films, and he shot up in his career, and he's well respected. Oh, shit, he even and then did, he went off to do like bit. family he movies and stuff. He even did a bit talking about his exactly. first bit of Richard Pryor impersonation. Yeah, yeah. But then you know, I don't think that he would want to take a stage at like the Improv because people would be like, tell us about that tranny, exactly. and he'd be like, oh fucking Christ, what happened to your wife? Yeah, you know. And he's just like, look, I don't want to answer those questions. No, like, you know why are you here? This is not Eddie Murphy question hour. Yeah, did, yeah. You hear, did you come here for performance? You know as well as you know that's what it would turn into. Yeah. The first time he takes a stage at a club, which is everything, probably how do you, twelve times takes. Like, how do gonna, you? He's going to be fucked. Which is sort of that fundamental question, right? Like, how do you elevate the the perspective of the craft 
in the mind of your audience. Do you know what I mean? Because that's really the dilemma that all comedians face at the end of the day, whereas motherfuckers don't take your craft seriously as an artist yeah. as they do everyone else's, which is to their own detriment because they limit the ability of the comedians to then entertain them. Well, I've seen Tim Allen do it the best way possible. Somebody opened their mouth during his set at the Laugh Factory, and all he said was, easy, chief, I'm up here working. You know what I mean? You want me to get this done or not? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it silenced the entire room because he basically took what he was doing and transposed it in their mind into work. Right. You know what I mean? Which is why I feel like it's, it's usually the best time to come down work, to where you dude. work and knock the dicks out of your mouth. He didn't even have to say that. Dude, right, right. I'm, no, up, I'm, here saying, I'm you, up here working. Do you yeah. want me to finish it or, or what? What do you want? Do you yeah, want me to yeah. keep rolling or do you want to interrupt this and have this turn into some bullshit for everybody? Which I feel yeah, like, yeah. which is, I feel like it's, a, it's an old class. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. You know what I'm saying? Don't start no shit, won't be no shit. That is, I, I, I try to impose that mentality at the beginning of every time I've ever gotten on stage. To the audience, I try to make that as real fucking clear without having to say it as possible, which is like, just if you're here to enjoy yourself, it's going to happen. I'm going to have a procedural recommendation for everybody during the presentation. <laughs> Please hold your questions, comments, concerns until the end of the presentation. Thank you very much. My name is Teddy Tutson. Let me tell you that kind of shit. <laughs> it's education, right? Yeah, there, exactly. That's PowerPoint. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the, <laughs> that's business. And how did you know what was on my slides? Yeah. To me, exactly. like the perfect example of how not to do it is uh, everything Cat Williams has done for the last year plus. Yeah. Like that's a guy who, well, coming who out like, and doing the moment he saw anything that didn't go exactly the way he wanted, he was like, "I'm gonna freak out and punch you." And it's like that's yeah, but exactly heard, what not to do. But I heard that he took it to a new level and he. He he bought into the frenzy that it was creating about his yeah, career, yeah, exactly. and he started, you know, putting people in the audience to start something with him instead of focusing on his material. I was listening to uh, hmm. uh, a podcast by Jamie Fox, straight up the foxhole, yeah, and that was one of the things that they brought up. Like for a long time, Cat Williams wasn't generating a lot of new material. And so what a lot of people felt is he just went that direction with it because there's so much Best pressure. Way to on get it. Attention. There's a ton of pressure on the guy, man. Come on, let's just let's just keep it real. He's got a lot of payments. And anybody else, paying. everybody's expecting. Right? Sure, sure. And you know, you don't He's got a lot of money too that he's you, gotta generate. You don't too. yeah, exactly for other people. Yeah. And you don't generate material. How many that kids fast. he's got? How many kids that he's got? Know, like, man. Got something to prove, you know? What is he? Five, five, oh, four, nine. Dude, he's got like what, like twelve or something like that, man. Like he's yeah. man, geez, he's got astronomical, yeah. So child support payments. So he, you know, he, I think he forced it a little bit. Sure, you sure. Know? And I'm sure, you know, we all have regrets. I'm sure to some extent, you know, he doesn't regret not staying focused and just doing his thing because he's a talented guy. He's also yeah, heavy yeah. on the drugs right now. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you come out with a robe and a shower cap on, and you in the middle of the street. <laughs> Yeah, some serious Anytime issues. you affiliate yourself with Shug well, Knight, your career a, is not on the upswing. Yeah, he's a he's a guy who, I mean, you know, those first like two specials just, I mean, skyrocketed. You know, you don't you don't see that very often in a, yeah. in a given person's life. No less. I think where, also like, too for everything Cat he was Williams doing was, was fucking yeah, gold. Cat Williams know? had come out of the sort of, I mean, it is we, we you know, uh, it's like Eric Alexander when she was on and she talked about sort of the ghetto for black entertainers, you know, mm. right now where it's like they will market you as black to black people, but you're not going to get mass marketed. And after those specials, Cat Williams had sort of tapped into an ability to be mass marketed. He True. was really hitting into the Comedy Central swing of things, and then now he's just fucking. Ghost, yeah, you know, but he really, for a short period of time, he was he was approaching that same sphere 
that Snoop Dogg is in now. Snoop Lion, I guess I should Snoop say. Snoop Lion, baby. Um, I'm going to reinvent is, myself. Oh, Snoop Lion is yeah, doing well. Didn't he do the AMA on Reddit or whatever Well, uh, a couple of weeks yeah, ago? Yeah. I mean, I was. if you look at... <laughs> look, reading. It was like not I, even worth. I know. I, I understand, but I'm just talking about it as a thing that happened. No, I know. I know. Absolutely. Snoop Lion. I baby. feel like you know. You know. What I mean. I think that's the thing where it's like you know, if you are like kind of to go back to what we were talking about earlier in the sort of it, uh, prospects for people in the hood, you know, and you're looking at long term in game results. Okay, you can bang. You can sell drugs and shit, but there's very you can't really preach like, hey, you know what? If you fucking bang for long enough and sell drugs and then rap and then get your shit together, you might turn into Snoop Dogg. It's not gonna happen, son. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's a fucking that's a Robert Frost real role that's yeah. taken. Do you know what I mean? And so like, it's not fucking happening for you. Do you know, there's not we don't like that's not an ambition that we can just set out. Like people can be like, go be a lawyer, be an orthodontist. We can't say like, go be a Snoop Lion. To people, that's just a dude who's eccentric and has a lot of money, mm. and you know what I mean. Like that's 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 how that's how that game goes. Yeah. And, and he, it's fucking, it's spectacular that he even is able to be this entertainment icon, considering the murder cases that he beat. Oh yeah, do you know what I'm saying? And then like, there's a whole generation. I mean, of murder was the case that they gave him. There's a whole generation of motherfuckers that don't even know what you just said, dude. They yeah. don't even know why that is a they line know. that is associated with Snoop Dogg. They don't know where it came from. They don't know the context. All they know is that he had a fucking terrible reality show for a bit. On and e. they think he's cool because he smoked weed. That's he smokes it. weed. He pops up in commercials every now and then. He's reinverted himself as a uh, uh, a more commercial oriented rapper. He ran all a they porn know, empire. The with la- Vivid, right? They think they think that his oldest hit is "Drop It Like It's Hot." Yeah, I didn't know that was a hit of his. That's a huge hit. Are you kidding me? Where are you from? I don't listen to America. rap that often. You know that. Do you listen to Freedom? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit of Freedom. Clearly not as much <laughs> as you should. I just open the window and I'm like, "Is that an eagle? Is that an eagle?" That is an eagle. And then I close the window again. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of kids who were like, yo, drop it like it's hot. That's what I know. That's like where I know Snoop from. And then they're like, oh, what is gin and juice? Oh, what do you mean he had songs before that? Right, so like, right. Fair enough. Like, all they know is, is through his musical history, but they don't know through the cultural history. Sure. Is what I would say. And so that's fucking remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I heard drop it like it's hot as a term, but I didn't know that was a song. It really blew, it blew up. A, it blew uh, up with Snoop, Snoop and uh, Pharrell from the Neptunes. And that was his, like, that was one of his big. Big hits in uh, I mean, like so many beginning of the last decade. They're gonna be like, oh, "Fuck, where's Mitch been hiding?" <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta feel like a lot of people don't know that. I mean, maybe to I, all I my Riffalo, Rich I don't know Riffalodians that... coming all shapes and sizes, baby. You got your team, Mitch, right now, who don't know nothing about dropping like it's hot, and we got somebody for you. It's okay, and to the rest of you. See, once again, once again, this. <laughs> Hold on. Once again, this comes back to my remarks that I've made in the past where it's like for some reason somebody in the rap community drops a hit and the name of the song or the hook or the something like that becomes like a thing that people say. And it's so odd to me that it happens that way. Drop it like it's hot. Now it makes sense why so many people have said that for so long. Is I'm like, oh, that was a song, and it's like oh, once again, no, like Mitch. I kind of <laughs> wish. Oh, oh, oh hell no, Mitch! Why were you out? That's what that shit was. Mitch has been sleeping under a rock, and you just walk back in, and you're like, oh damn, son. Uh, here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, <laughs> funny, yeah. 
I have to feel like 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 rap artists like sit around and be like, what's a what's a new word we want in the cultural lexicon? Bro, you don't even know or how a new deep. term. You you have just and again that the song gets fraction. dropped. It goes into the fucking newsletter, which I still don't have a copy of. And then I and then here I Let am. Ask guy right now. Ten years do you, later, before, do you do you remember the the brief moment that there was a movement in the hood to do the Ricky Bobby? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, do you, do you know, Rich? Do you remember when Ricky Bobby was a thing? Do you don't, know what that? Don't be? put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. No, 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 no. It was do a, you know what it's from? Dude, have, first of all, you talking about uh, Talladega Nights? Yeah, yeah. There was. Don't a, you there put was, that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? There was a song. Do the Ricky Bobby. Do the Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Do the Ricky Bobby. It was an amazing, amazing moment in this time. Again, sounds just like say, something you guys and are as, just as playing. As a black person who knew that it wasn't going to catch on, it was phenomenal. It's a good thing. I went down with Teddy to pick you up <laughs> yeah. because otherwise I would think that you guys conspired this in the elevator. No, no, this, this literally crazy. sounds like something you just made up. Do the Ricky Bobby. Oh man, yo, son, that song was so amazing, and that was so great. I saw. I mean, I went back to fucking Greencastle, Indiana, and uh, the Ricky Bobby was uh, was real big when I hit Greencastle. And, uh, and I was so, you do that fucking dance or you do this thing, you do that thing and you do that thing, bro. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell was the, what was the Ricky Bobby? I can't remember the name of the dude, man, but he was, uh, oh man, it was such a good fucking, this is about, this is about 2000, uh, 2009. The Ricky Bobby was, uh, was, was popping off right now. Everybody in the summer of 2009, the Ricky Bobby was doing it. So, so my ongoing theory that like that Black I probably that, that I you are do you know how cl- when no what, what I'm thinking is <laughs> I now no longer actually need the newsletter I can just hop on YouTube no, you and can't. look for like no. the top rap hit of the you'll day. be three years no, you'll, you'll be behind go, okay, you'll be years behind Mitch you'll if be you, years if you look behind for the top rap hit of the day you gonna get you're great. telling me drop <laughs> it like it's hot was a thing before Snoop Dogg said it huh yeah it was see that's how the hood works son. Yeah. When did when did that song come Look, out? No, yeah, me, no, that song came out in 2004? Yeah. 2003 maybe? The best context is like the moonwalk. All right. It's a 2004. There Mike. you go. Boom. Nailed it. Riffopolis. Who's your boy? Shout out. That's why I got oh, black man rushing The phrase drop it like in yeah, hot was see, already in common yet before the song was released. Everybody that's He's on not even listening to me. Oh, yeah. Biggie the phrase drop it like it's hot. Day. This is from Wikipedia where the white go people ahead. go for their newsletter. Uh, the phrase drop it like it's hot like it's hot was already in common use before the song was released and been used in various songs since the 90s. So, so okay. Same thing that so happened. So I had heard it back then. I just didn't. Same thing that happened with Okay. So I don't feel that far out. I mean, that's on Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. You know why people yeah, are. Yeah. I'm very concerned. That's our, <laughs> that's that they have. Our I'm very concerned that they have our shit on Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't God, feel. I don't feel. Guy safe. is gonna go to the next Negro convention. <laughs> Excuse me. Did anybody else know that we are cataloged? I mean, I really do. Who is going on Wikipedia <laughs> and uploading <laughs> the newsletter? That's what I, I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Drop it like it's hot as on Wikipedia. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do oh. not feel safe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have no more code. <laughs> We have no more code. We have no more code is actually what's going to go on the board. Exactly. We have no more have code. No more code. Guy is blowing the alarm. Negroes everywhere. We can't Mount talk up. to each other secretly <laughs> in public. White people, yeah. No more. They I just guess, go on Wikipedia right I guess on you, not, you haven't heard of Rap Genius, have you? Yeah, I have. Okay, so you okay, so you know Rap Genius. That's a little bit. They try to blow the code, brother. They try to blow the code. Now I have a problem with Rap Genius, the, the urban... But drop it like... A, is Wikipedia? <laughs> Listen, I don't got a problem with no underground, okay? But when you start mainstream... The code. Hey, exactly. We got a real dilemma here, okay? It's but an existential how crisis. am I supposed to keep up without Wikipedia? That's, the, that's how you can't. That's, how, that's the only thing 
that we got is pure speed. As Sun Zhao said, uh, speed is the essence of war. Okay? Oh, Art of war. Read a book, you illiterate son of a bitch. You got, got, got right. that. <laughs> I got the art of war right here on my Kindle. Actually. Oh shit! He busted out the Kindle. Oh my god! You are just uh, you. Are, who are you? A man with the art of war on my Kindle. That's who I am. I am a man with true power. I have a Kindle. <laughs> yes. And with this machine, <laughs> I can discover all of your Afro-American oh. secrets. Guy, yeah, just his I'm thing. also not even sure why the art of war became a big thing in the rap community. That's uh, well, first, one minute. Wait, you don't know anything about black people, do you? Because you don't know nothing not, about black people. Not, I, Guy, can you tell this motherfucker why I mean, the art of war is popular amongst black people? Because it's about kicking people's ass. Okay, it's one about surviving either mentally or physically or through planning. Through you have strategy, a war, whatever that I is mean, at. You have a world that is fundamentally at war with you because you exist. Okay, if you found a book that told you how to fucking deal with it, yeah, y'all motherfuckers would jump all over it. It's the same thing that happened with black people and Scarface, son. You mean, oh, this is what, this is how we get money? And you mean, I just can do some things to not die in the end? And if I do die in the end, I'm going to look good. Right? Okay, fine. I don't give a fuck. I don't have any value anyway. Everybody will respect me. You know what I'm saying? You mean my fuck, you know what I'm saying, son? They'll be on a t-shirt or some shit like that. Whatever, B. I don't give a fuck. I can live it up. I ain't killing no babies. Yeah. I don't kill no babies. But but see, people from the hood, man, they want value. It's all about instant gratification. If you live at the lowest of standards. If you are literally the most disposable I mean, amongst disposable people. Meaning you eating sugar sandwiches. Right. Right. Mm. And your luxury is Kool-Aid. They don't give a right? fuck about your hunger. To them, if I can get millions, even if this feeling only lasts for a year, I'm going to take that chance. because That's what Jay-Z always says, man. If you look at what Jay-Z says about his success... He always, when they talk about, you know, gangster lyrics and shit like that, Fuck he said, Rich, let's get wealthy. Who else going to feed me? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I know a couple of, but he always, couple of the Jay-Z He always, he always talks about the fact that he is a self-made millionaire mm. in a racist society. That is what he said long ago about the arc of his career. And if you can, if you interpret Jay-Z's career moves through that Hmm. Prism, they make much more sense than if you're just fucking me like, I don't understand why this motherfucker talk about shooting people. Do you know what I mean? Because that's why Jay Z can tie himself culturally to Frank Sinatra mm. and become what headshots. he has culturally. Fuck your vest. Right? Nah, Mitch got that. Mitch got that. First time I told him about the headshots, nigga, fuck your vest. Mm-hmm. And he thought that Jay Z walked to clubs with headshots and passed them out to people. Oh, snap. <laughs> You are the fucking worst officially. You know what I mean? I mean, I love you, but God damn, you kidding me. Yo, yo so Jay-Z, can, he, I want to be an actor. Here's my headshot. I literally... Here's what I... Here's, let me let me break it down for you. Let me break it down white style for nah, you. I got to hear this. I feel really bad for the people who live below me right now, because Teddy literally just fell on the floor and started doing push-ups. This is hilarious. Uh, from, from trying to pick himself up to laugh. No, go to the bathroom. Go ahead. Uh, let me explain this to him in peace. Let me explain this to him in peace. Please. All right. So he's... <laughs> I can't believe it, though. So he tweeted, he tweeted, headshots, nigga, fuck your vest. And the way that I read it was like, I was thinking, is he trying to say like, like, look, don't try to look fancy by wearing a vest, like a like a suit vest. Don't go out and get your professional head. Yeah, like go like go you. out and do something. You know, like like look, if they recognize you from your headshots, mm-hmm. that means you've done some shit. Oh my god! You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck fuck wearing fuck looking the part. <laughs> Fucking go out and do something. You know what I mean? Start making moves to be famous, not just dressing famous. That, that that's is, see that see how that makes sense in my head. That is hilarious, though. 
That well, is it may be, but that's that's the logic in which I uh, is is good. It makes sense. I was like, why is Jay Z promoting that people should bring their headshots with them? You should get your headshots and bring them to the club. Yes, so that you can promote Fuck yourself. You. <laughs> You Teddy don't need will, a, you don't Teddy need will a, never not laugh at that. Oh, you don't need a vest. Guy, guy, you have no idea how, how like, yo, the first time, man, oh my God, son. That's I just explained it to him. I, he's not on my side. That's one of the I mean, I'm, I'm, there is one white person who's going to hear this and go, well, it does make sense. Actually. And I want to meet that person, but I want to fly that motherfucker out and have y'all for brunch and just talk <laughs> 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 just, No talk, luncheon? Just I'll give you I'll give you new new in the white new in the white lexicon lunch as a verb. Let's lunch. There you go. That's something yeah, you can have. Use the 80s, I mean, all right. I didn't know if you were up on that. I'm just, up on that. All right. How dare you insult me, son? I've been playing racquetball since ninety seven. Is that that's the white thing? Yeah. Racquetball. You know. God, how long have you been playing racquetball? Man, I ain't never played no goddamn racquetball. All right, then. So good. I figured yeah. I play racquetball. I'm knocking somebody down. I'm going to get that ball. Yeah, you're a little bit big for the racquetball. Get your ass out of here. I would not want to play racquetball with you, bro. You, you, you're not going to let yeah, me forget. I'm, I'm knocking somebody down. It does make you feel like a strong and powerful person when you hit a racquetball, like an actual racquetball, because it just flies so fast. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I fucking kick ass. I always love personally wearing goggles, man. I felt cool. I know goggles are supposed to make motherfuckers look nerdy and shit, but I always felt cool as a motherfucker when no, I was I do too. But I, I mean, when I'm I feel working like with electronics and shit, too. Don't so. give me that shit. Y'all took your goggles and put them on your head and turned it to the side and wore that shit and was like, yo, kid, I'm from the hood, son. Yo, Peace to the God. Yo, bitch, God. Why my left eye unprotected? Because I'm hood, I son. Got my, I got my goggles, son. You know what I mean? Hip-hop, they always incorporate things that have no place oh, in the goddamn right. hip-hop. Sure. Sure. Put some ski goggles on, tilt them to the side. I really oh, do. Bitch. That's my dream, B. My dream is to bring racquetball to the hood and then like the 2032 Olympics or whatever, just have shit. a bunch of like real hood motherfuckers I'm playing racquetball. I'm going to you going to bring racquetball and all of a sudden some ex-cons going to walk up and say, we don't need no goddamn racket. We play this shit with our hands. It's called handball. Uh, it's not even. Yeah, I'm trying exactly. to play a different sport. They're like, well, they put us in that sport, then. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You mean right. butts up? Butts <laughs> up was a good game. <laughs> play that with a racquetball. Ever play butts up? That was a good, was a good game. I don't believe anyone. Else. I like. I, I like me some butts up. I don't believe anyone knows of that game. Is that some sort of prep school game? Is that a separate piece kind of game? You got prep it. School. I was not. I, I, just because I'm white doesn't mean I was born into a life of luxury. It doesn't mean. Did you went to prep school? I'm just saying, is it a game that has its roots in prep school? I don't know. What is butts up? All right, butts up. Probably a lot like handball. You take Hell the ball. Hell, fucking, I don't know what butts up is. <laughs> so you got, you got, let's say like ten people. It's better with like a a good group. Sometimes we'd have like forty. This 50, is really let's not say there's a like good way 10, to start. Right? And so what you do is uh, you get a wall. You throw the ball against the wall, and then you grab the ball, and throw it against the wall. That's pretty much all there is to it. If it touches you any part of your body, and you don't catch it before it hits the ground, you got to run and touch the That's wall. That's spread eagle. That's called spread eagle. And if you don't get to the uh, wall before the ball gets to the wall, then you uh, got to put your you got to go up against the wall and put your butt in the air, and then everybody gets a spread, shot. I used to play that game. Actually, was, the person who got you out it was gets to smack you in the ass with the ball. Eagle, and I was a beast at that game. I First of all, say butts up. I was a beast. Butts, butts up, up sounds very uh, strangely unnecessarily sexual. We used spread to eagle is not something kids should be t- and, knowing and, about. And, and, and I would like to add, well, fair. you spread it, son. This was a real. It's, I mean, it's a real okay, oppressor. Okay. Oppressed in my neighborhood, spread eagle was a different kind of thing. Let me. I was say, let me put it this way. Now that I'm, I was in the magazine for approximately an hour, <laughs> I'm now concerned because one of y'all played butts up and the other played goddamn spread eagle. What Thank the you. hell kind of goddamn podcast is this, kid? 
Yeah, butts up. No, spread eagle, baby. Spread eagle. That's better. It's much easier. It's much easier to play. I'll grant you, both <laughs> games together do sound like they not do. the game that we described. They do, exactly. Uh, but uh, Butts Up is the name of the game. I'm Just playing that. I was a monster at that game, at son. Butts Up? I'm not yeah, a monster yeah. at Butts Up. I was a monster at Spread Eagles. So I'm not going to be a monster mm-hmm. at Butts Up. So. Butts Up. Not. Now, why? Who called it Butts Up? Apparently, uh, I've been told in the chat room it's called Wall Ball now. Which First of all, okay, see, that's, that's the third term. Makes a little bit. <laughs> I think Guy is hey, gonna, hey, Guy, you at least gotta go hey, with Wall Ball. Y'all but... wanna play some Wall Ball? <laughs> you know what that means? Listen, no game is gonna sound I'm good sure in every when you city... drop a 70s black exploitation voice on it, brother. Hey, you wanna play some shoots and ladders, baby? You wanna play some Butts Up? You wanna play. Candyland. You want to play some Monopoly? <laughs> Yo, you want to play Sorry? No, wait, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure in every city, this is the thing about like kids, it's like, I'm sure in every city they have a different name for that, but it's like there's certain things that kids like. Yeah, what the fuck was going on in your town, okay? Butts up. 911 is... was a joke in my town. Oh, don't you dare bring Chuck D into this. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, you said yo town. I had to. <laughs> Get up and get and get get down. Oh, again. All right. So, uh, no, <laughs> it's like when you think about it, like as a kid, there's a lot of like terms and uh, that that are it's it's amazing that kids have heard about and and certain uh, cultural tropes that go across. Like another good one of those, I feel like it would be the uh, smear the queer. Yeah, tradition. exactly. I mean, that that seemed to, everybody played smear the queer, which is amazing. How the fuck are we gonna get a butts up spread eagle split? But right, smear but, the but queer. we all know what smear the queer is. Yeah. Hey man, what kind of childhood did y'all have, man? <laughs> You're <laughs> telling me you didn't have a smear the queer? Nah, game. we didn't have no goddamn smear the nah, queer. Nah, of course you had a smear you the queer. You lying? We didn't you have no lying. butts You ain't going to no school. <laughs> we didn't have no butts. <laughs> you ain't going to no school. Okay, whatever. You was fucking raised. Uh, we didn't smear the queer. <laughs> Yo, man, it's a relevant game. <laughs> Come on, we got rules. We smeared the. Gender neutral let's, individual. Let's smear the Tackle game. the man with the football. I know it's not catchy, but damn it, it's instructive. <laughs> Catch the dude uh, that's soft. You didn't. You really did not hear. Nah, I feel like that would have been. A, that would have been. Uh, Shot town, nah, man. You, okay, you in Shot town. You're in the north. That's a game that doesn't end. What's a childhood, they just keep what kind of childhood that's, games that's that's that you play? Street games. A street? Survive. I mean, Survive. Is that the game that guy played? To be totally honest, man. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my issue is this. My issue is this. When the time winner gets a sugar sandwich, yeah, well, hell yeah, and I eat that shit too. No, I loser had, gets a funeral. You damn oh right. You goddamn right. No, but I had look. I had two older take brothers. Take me, take me. I right. had two older brothers, so I played whatever they were playing. So since they were four and three years older than me, a lot of the games that the kids my age would used to be playing, I was not playing. I was not playing. So. I was playing football in the street with my brothers by the time I was nine. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was basically playing where we playing in the middle of the street, and it was curbs of the and it was of, tackling when you got to the curb. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could tackle somebody. Was, was there a little grass patch? There? Yes, yeah. there was grass there, which you know really I mean? wasn't that soft at all. Exactly. When you night. Would itch for days. So, so I probably avoided they got rain in Chicago. Try getting tackled in Phoenix, motherfucker. Exactly. All right, go ahead. So I, I probably avoided smear the queer. You know what I mean? Some just of those by other games, luck of age. Just by that I have my brother saying, come on, you're going to go with us, you're going to ball, you're going you to play street. whatever we're playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it, I mean, I, 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 didn't, I never played. I mean, I remember like when we would have tag and stuff or things like that, and I remember like someone. Yeah, like that's another one. Like who taught every generation tag, hide and seek, and smear, smear the queer? queer. 
uh, Red Rover, butts up, spread eagle, wall ball, whatever you want to call it. Uh, who taught? Well, these? I mean, you know, you, it's just everybody fucking knows how to play. It just gets passed but down. But fucking, you know, what I'm saying, like, how are you gonna be? Butt fucking is not a game I play. But, uh, butts I'm up, about bro. To say butts that up. right now. I mean, you know, I'm on guys' side on this one. Excuse me. We didn't play no butt butts fucking. up. I, I mean, I remember playing that game, right? I was like, listen to the game that you described, and I have vivid memories of playing that game and dominating it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no one ever, ever on those courts said, let's play butts up. Son. So you basically like, I'm the king of spread eagle. I'm the king of the spread eagle. Son. I got the spread All right, eagle did you down. Play, did you play in class with the teacher? I around? never played you, spread eagle no, no. in class. Did you in class play a different game called heads up, seven up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Played that. Everybody played the heads so down. So that makes sense. Up. A, teacher would, up, to, seven up. a yeah. teacher would be able to tell yeah. you about heads up, but seven spread up. eagle is yeah, a game yeah. for the streets. You know what I'm saying? Butts up butts is a up. game, butts up is a game for the streets. I have a feeling that Spread Eagle, Butts Up, Smear the Queer, all of those are prison games. You can't I, play I, no. I have a feeling that those games old school prison games. We should from, use that'd be a good that'd be a good research the, from the prison someone, yard. Someone go into someone go into the, the the old school prison games that got brought out to people. I'll bring up a weird. I'll bring up a weird I'm sort of. I'm going back like, to grad school. Fuck y'all, motherfuckers. Think about weird like cultural prison. Think about like weird weird cultural rumors, tropes, if you will, prior to the internet that mm-hmm. everyone heard. Uh, Jimi Hendrix buried with uh, what a pint of semen in his stomach. Uh, Richard Gere. I've never heard that one before. What? I never heard that Richard one. Richard Gere with a, a gerbil up his ass. I heard that. Okay, all right. You never heard the. You know what? It now, is? Not just Jimi Hendrix, but there's a lot of celebrities who has have apparently had a pint of sperm sucked out of their stomach. Dang. There was that 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 was told a lot. Richard Gere and the gerbil. Yeah, the Richard the Gere, Richard Gere now, gerbil one. I now, feel like is the most Prince. Uh, Prince. Marilyn, everything about Prince, Prince. Everything about Prince from the eighties yeah. cannot be trusted. Prince. Marilyn Manson. Did you El- see him last night? Did yeah. You know? Prince, okay. is the Prince, Prince. Marilyn He's Manson cool and Elton John. People have all suggested that either one, any one of those three, have had rib cage, ribs removed so they could blow themselves. You've heard this trope before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. The thing about that, the thing about the Richard Gere gerbil one, I feel like the fucking internet. The Richard Gere gerbil one, I feel like, is so usually like specific that a you know if it wasn't Richard Gere, there is some dude in use in history who had that experience. That that's definitely happened. Well, here's my question: Has Richard Gere ever come out and publicly refuted it? Yeah, you know he's done some. Because I would, I'd be like, hell, nah, I ain't put no gerbil in my ass. Nah, because isn't that the whole thing? Not in the eighties, guy. Yeah, I would. It was nice. Because the more you, the more you refuted something in the eighties, the more you had something to hide. Hell, nah. You're like, why? Like, because because think about the person who hadn't. Think about the person who hadn't heard that rumor. Who was like, wait, wait, wait. There was a rumor about you and a gerbil. Where did that come from? I don't know. I have no idea. That's why I wanted to refute it. You know, it's fucking like, terrifying. It used to be of in the all the weird world. rumors that could be around about Richard Gere or anybody, you, why would you come out and defute that one? But I've been, I've been waiting for What are you going to do? Do a press conference? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I mean, just everybody know. Richard Pryor was doing press conferences to be like, no, I don't have MS no, in the 80s. You're going to be Richard Gere and be like, no, I didn't put a gerbil in my ass. Is that what you're going to go with, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, it's some bullshit. I didn't put no gerbil in my ass. Richard Pryor used to on the Go mic. Go see the like, new movie in theaters next week. No, no. Richard Pryor used to be on the mic and be like, I've been clean for six months. Yeah. I've been clean. And Richard Pryor. <laughs> right. I mean, they, I mean like, you know, right. they, 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 right. I mean, they, yeah. there, was, there was heavy, heavy investment in, in terms of Richard Pryor when he was dealing with his, with his, it was a mess. And he, they just, you know, like doing those films and stuff and mm. making it seem like he was far healthier and far more active and mobile than he was, than he was able to be. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're Richard Gere, I mean, the 80s, 
in retrospect, son, like it's amazing that humanity I'll bet survived. You, the I'll 80s. bet you today. I'm amazed that I'll this bet you that there exists. are fucking nine and ten year old kids today who are hearing about someone mm. getting a pint of semen sucked out of their stomach and someone getting a gerbil in their ass and someone with the rib cage thing. I'm gonna research that tomorrow. I guarantee you at breakfast. Yeah, I'm gonna go to my kids. Did you yeah, hear? excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, children. When I say Richard Gere, what comes You're, to your Daddy, mind? Daddy, you ain't never read no newspaper over uh, breakfast before. Good morning, it's your father. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a you open every breakfast with a fucking broadcast? Good morning, I'm your father. Hello. I would like to speak good to you. Good morning, it's your father. Oh please, good morning, it's your father. Um, oh, man. Please, please, please. Good you morning. cooking breakfast and stuff? Uh, yeah, man. I make, I make yeah. eggs, man. I make eggs. Awesome. Good, good morning, it's your father. I want to know if um, at when school I- on the playground when you guys are socializing... <laughs> Have you ever heard of anyone uh, having a gerbil or any animal stuck up their ass? I would like to know this. No, no, no. Here's the way you do it. Uh, You say... My daddy asked me if I had a gerbil stuck in my ass. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) They misinterpret that shit. My daddy (laughs) wanted to know about the gerbil in my ass, teacher. Here's how you do it. Miss Gersbach. You say, good morning. It's your father. (laughs) We're going to play a game of word association. Gerbil. And then wait for like you know, and then you go like stomach pump. Oh my god, Jerk. rib cage removal. Richard Gear. I wish one of them would say ass. I'd be like, get your ass out of my house. You ain't my child. You're right. No cursing bro. in your house. The '80s, bro. I, I just need kids it. aren't allowed. We to need curse. a real solid documentary about everything that happened in the '80s for real, because motherfuckers still lying. But see, here, here's one thing: since you're talking about the '80s and you're talking about Reagan, did Reagan eliminate? Yes, all of the mental health care yep. policies that yep. were public, because you know yep. it's so funny. Because we were talking, I'm not trying to transition, but somebody just mentioned it to me. Actually, this uh, young Reagan. girl, yeah. her father. Um, I was asking him questions about the whole um, Dorner case or whatever his last name is. Dorner, yeah. the dude who I'm gonna get killed because of because mm-hmm. I look like him. I was, <laughs> the motherfucker that's making me most stressed. I was at, I was asking her, and her, no, you should be glad. Two dad, hours of a live alibi here, and her dad actually got on a speakerphone, and I asked him. I said, look. When we're looking at this, I'm thinking we're talking about a mental health epidemic. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the killings and everything's been happening. And I was like, from your time up until now, where do you see the digression? And he said, oh, it's Reagan. Absolutely. Said, it's Reagan. Reagan, Reagan eliminated the policy where we could hold somebody for 72 hours. Reagan started, so they could have mental Reagan started in California uh, when he was governor of California mm-hmm. uh, after being an actor. That was a large push of what Reagan did. To court uh, socially conservative voters, the uh, the now what you would consider the pretty much the primary base of the Republican Party, essentially. Uh, but Reagan, as governor of California, made a heavy push to defund uh, mental health institutions that had been treating people, and mm-hmm. and this is at a time when, uh, if you look back to the the you know the the twentieth century of the United States. Uh, health care and mental health institutions and uh, asylums were really just the worst fucking things in the world. I mean, drilling holes in people's heads, yeah, yeah. the shit that was going on. We had really kind of finally reached a place where we kind of knew what to do really with people. Reagan begins a pattern of defunding in California, which is why we have so many insane people to mm-hmm. this day on the streets of L.A. and all over oh, the I state. Oh, I can't land on Hollywood. Uh, no, you cannot. Uh, and so then you, you get Reagan being taken from California to the White House. And there is the same pattern that happens in California, which is, uh, favoring, 
not only defunding mental health mm-hmm. as a as a as a issue that you treat as a scientific issue, right? Uh, but then also leading into uh, providing the gun industry with a foothold into politics that has a more fear climate oriented political atmosphere so that their sales increase. Mm -hmm. So it's the worst possible combination ever that Reagan is responsible for, which is flooding the country with guns while also defunding research and uh, investment into mental health issues. And now you end up in a place where you are now where you can't research into gun violence, you can't research into the causes of it, you can't really put together a mental health national database for people. Right. It's it's a fucking uh, tooth and nail fight to pass uh, the Affordable Care Act. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Reagan is literally the root cause of a lot of what you see right now, because the NRA with the Saturday night specials and fucking flooding the country with easy, affordable guns... Reagan is one of the worst human beings who have ever existed, in conclusion. Yeah, I don't think people realize. Like, every time we talk about one of these mass killings, or we talk about somebody who's out there in the street, it's almost like we avert away from that issue as much as we can, that this is really mental health issues that we're talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, it's hard because so many people bought hook, line, and sinker what this genteel you know, old benevolent figure Ronald Reagan was pushing mm. about uh, the government being the problem and, oh, we don't need to fund these things and we don't need to worry about this thing. And you're talking about now 30 years of compounded failure. You're talking about generations upon generations of failure being passed down and codified. And we all know how hard it is for human beings to admit a mistake just in their own personal life, mm. let alone voting for one of the worst human beings to ever exist. And then plus we're influenced by media and crap. I mean, people go see one flew over the cuckoo's nest and they automatically say, okay, mental health institutions are bad and everybody's getting abused. So why the hell do we need that? I mean, we wouldn't yeah. even vote to make sure we knew what the hell was going into the food. I mean, we've been, I, don't I mean, I mean, again, though, I mean, and a large part of the stuff that we're still struggling with now comes back from the fact that Reagan is in charge uh, during AIDS epidemic in mm-hmm. the '80s, where they basically just gave a middle finger to uh, you know the entire homosexual population of the country or anybody that had AIDS, and they're like, "Nah, you're not worth investing in. We don't give any fucks." Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, like. That's the thing, like, I mean, like, it's so I weird. heard Reagan had a pint of semen sucked out of his stomach <laughs> after Gerbil got put up his ass, <laughs> which was the only way to get off after he had those two ribs removed. Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I heard. It and is, he played a lot of butts up spread Unconfirmed. Eagle. Unconfirmed. But it is a fact. I mean, it's irresponsible not to at least Ir- ask the question. It is irresponsible not to speculate if Ronald I mean, Reagan yeah. did not have irresponsible not to at least ask the question. He's always, I mean, the thing that, the thing that confirms me that, that uh, Ronald Reagan probably had all those things that you just said happen uh, <laughs> is the fact that uh, he kicked off his presidential campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, mm. uh, which was home to um, the site where... Uh, uh, civil rights workers were killed by the Ku Klux Klan. All right. Uh, uh, you know, both white and black individuals. Uh, and Ronald Reagan kicks off his campaign there by talking about how he believes in states' rights, aka the Confederacy and white supremacy. And that's all you really need to know about motherfucker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you travel to the site of a place where civil rights leaders were killed and talk about how they ain't shit, 
Yo, I'm here. Right. I'm saying this. And as he's saying it, if you look at video footage of Ronald Reagan saying these words, there are there are Confederate flags that are the size of this fucking table mm. waving in the audience in front of him. There's no dispute about what's going on in that moment. Mm. None. At all. And so uh, it's it's really weird. I remember like when I was in college, you know, in uh, good old... Uh, Greencastle, Indiana, at the party. Thing sucks. Uh, and uh, a great affinity, <laughs> a great affinity for the eighties there in, uh, in Greencastle, Indiana. And uh, I remember it being like, y'all, like, what fucking decade are y'all talking about? Do you mm. know what I mean? Because like, it's just like you really are like if you are somebody who points to the eighties and you're like, this is the best decade era. You literally are just shitting all over the most vulnerable members of society. Yeah. You being like, you aren't worth a fucking shit. Yeah. You aren't worth nothing. You ever. ought to be ashamed of yourself. You goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> Good times, good times. Oh, man. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but I can get a little bit of news out of the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, hmm. What's not too heavy? Hmm. Did we go too deep on this one? Did we get all deep? No, it's cool. It's cool. I don't. I just you know, I like to break it up a little. You know what I mean? But if we know, were all silly, then we can go heavy. But well, because it was heavy, February, was, though, I, my blackness would not allow. You, I got a, I've got a, I've got a historically, uh, a historical article uh, regarding. Yeah, you the black uh, contingent. This is, this is the one you want to get into. No, right? no, no, no. I'm not going to get into that one at all. No. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting uh, article about why we took cocaine out of soda, which a lot of people probably assume the reason that uh, Coca-Cola started with cocaine and then didn't was because it became illegal, mm-hmm. no. which is not the case. Do you know why it is, Tedrick? Mitch, I will let you tell the good people. Because of black people. Yeah, I know. Really? Cocaine crazed Negroes, as they call it. Exactly. Us. Honestly, they man, were they that shit sounds incredible, right? They used now. to have fucking pamphlets that said cocaine crazed Negroes and they would have like big lip Negroes. Ah You know what I mean? I'm so, crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. It says uh <laughs> Coca-Cola, uh, when it first started with the with with actual the coca plant in there with the cocaine in it, uh, says they say in the New York Times, Coca-Cola quickly caught on as an intellectual beverage among well-off whites. When the company started selling it in bottles in 1899, minorities who couldn't get into the segregated soda fountain suddenly had access to it. Hell yeah! Anyone with a nickel, black or white, could now drink the cocaine-infused beverage. Middle-class whites worried that soft drinks were contributing to what they saw as exploding use among the African Americans. Southern newspapers reported that Negro cocaine fiends are raping white women. The police powerless to stop them. By 1903. The manager of Coca-Cola, yeah. Asa Griggs Candler, had bowed to white fears in a way of anti-narcotics le- legislation, removing the cocaine and adding more sugar Same as it and was. caffeine. Same as go. it ever was. Bro. It literally, if you look at some of the old fucking materials, that mm-hmm. they just just Google image search cocaine craze Negroes, you should be able to find something. It's fucking amazing, bro. It's amazing how drugs are so cool with white people mm-hmm. until, like, it's the same thing. Marijuana, one of my favorite sentences ever is in, it's in a hearse. It ran Another thing hearse. Reagan uh, did his part in yep. making mm-hmm. sure fucking drugs. never got legal. Uh, it I, was... Putting out, like, ignoring reports that he... Yeah, there's a... Uh, 
it literally was settled law under Reagan with a, a, a federal judge, uh, Judge Law, who like was he like, had, marijuana is... He had, like, papers. That he, he, he did research. Actually, Nixon did the research. Nixon did the research, he, and then it was and, settled and, under Reagan. And it was... Uh, the court case was in the 80s. He did the, Nixon did the research. When the research came back, that like, it was all good. Nixon shredded it before anybody else could see it. And he was like, oh, we didn't do any kind of research. Right. And then Reagan had come along with... Uh, Oh, I just I just watched a documentary on this last night. Um, oh, Reagan's fuck. What was it? It was um, oh yeah, the research about uh, brain damage, mm-hmm. like brain damage from marijuana usage, came from one study they did with a series of monkeys where they had put like plastic bags over their heads, so the only thing they could inhale was marijuana. Mm-hmm. And then when they died, they like tested their brains and were like, well, a bunch of brain cells died. And it was like. Yes, because you suffocated. Them. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens when you suffocate. Exactly. When you hyperventilate, that's what's going to happen. Yep. So here you go. Yay, Reagan. I got, uh, I got a, there's Francis Law who. Uh, I know what I'm talking about at breakfast tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, children. This is your father. Um, are you aware of the fact that in history there were cocaine crazed Negroes? Are you aware of that? Everybody probably go look at me, Daddy. What? Why? <laughs> why? This is very important. There's, there's a, it was a, I, I, I really, what I really need I you to do. I was on Wikipedia. What I need you to do important. is get a, get like a, like a mic stand or like an iPad stand basically and set that up at the breakfast table so that when you can go, hello children, it's your father. It's like a remote. Good morning children. Like you're talking from like it's your a father, big office. And yeah. I want to, I want to do this presentation. Straight up fucking. Uh, holographic guy grow style. style. This, uh, it's, it's uh, a, it was in Hearst newspapers in the thirties. There's a sentence where they're talking about marijuana. And they go, uh, marijuana makes black people, um, it, uh, it makes them, uh, look a white man in the eye. Uh, can't have that. Look, uh, uh, look at white women twice and step on white men's shadows. What you feel like two out of three of those legitimate concerns, okay? Um. But. Who are these uh, high Negroes trying to step on your shadow? Do you know what I'm saying, son? See, I guess what they didn't realize is that, number one, uh, white women was looking at us. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, marijuana allows you to rap incredibly. <laughs> it's, it's incredible lyrics is what it does, is son. why I can't kid, rap? peace to the gods. Peace to the God, that? kid. <laughs> exactly. Knowledge, knowledge, God. It allows you to focus in some scenarios, in some people. Mitch knows that's why I can't rap. That's what it is. You need to smoke some weed. But it's, that's such well, now we're on the weed thing. I'll bring up another one. Uh, an interesting sort of debate. Uh, I'm still debate. tripping off the cocaine-crazed Negroes. Cocaine-crazed Negroes, son. I'm bringing that up. Uh, Which I feel like is really weird yeah, because like, cocaine has always look at been like, traditionally white drug. If you look drug. at like sweeping laws that come out, like a lot of times it's like not really a problem until black people get involved. Or Latinos. Same thing in marijuana. Same thing in marijuana laws, that happened in, in the South mind. in mm. Texas is what happens is uh, with marijuana is a lot of uh, uh, Mexican Latino immigrants after they work the fields. Uh, after a long, hard day of back backbreaking manual labor, well, they wanted marijuana. tacos. So fuck all that shit. No tacos for you. <laughs> Get that taco truck off the farm. Hey yo, uh, man, tacos without sour good. cream. Uh, I love tacos. They want to smoke marijuana after yeah, a long day at work, tacos. and so what happens is that they are just like, no, fuck you. You can't enjoy yourself after labor, mm-hmm. and they they that's another reason that gets rid of a. Gets rid of it. So you, you're saying, uh, yeah. So uh, here's a, a debate that's raging, if you will, not really raging, just a, a discussion that cops are now having to have uh, in their jurisdictions about how high is too high to drive. Because the problem is you can't 
do a breathalyzer and figure no. out if a guy's high. And there's right no, now. there's no uh, standardized test yet for blood levels. Uh, I, know, think, I think they can do simple. blood samples, but even that takes too long. You well, have to so bring I mean, them back to it's, the it's not. Yeah, there's no time. Frame. Uh, and and this uh, to me, you know, uh, the way I, I feel about any of these, and, and I've gotten and I've gotten into a lot of very heated debates uh, with people uh, when I bring up the same thing with like drinking and driving laws is like. Pay attention to the driving, not the not the drinking part of it. If you're just illegalizing, oh, if you've had a few drinks, you're over this limit, you can't drive. What if you're driving normal and you get pulled over because like your plate's expired, and then they they're like, oh, I'm just gonna, I smell beer in the car. Mm. Well, now my fucking life is ruined. Like it's gonna be, I can't get a liquor license if I'm running a bar. Uh, I'm gonna get dinged on my license. I can't drive. That's gonna be very difficult for me to get to work on time. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm as an example. If you're but if you're driving all over the road, it's not like the cops are gonna go. Well, they're fine. They're in the not fair, in the fairness though of that sense. If we're talking about this specific scenario, right? Just of so your light, your plates are expired. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- where where are we? Are we? And this is the other thing too, because a lot of 105. I mean, I mean, well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, look, we I'm, I'm, a large part, part, I'm talking about any. I'm talking about like any minor, <laughs> any minor traffic violation. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about ma- the major traffic violations. If somebody's fucking driving all over the road, I don't care if you're yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. No, that, bone no, dry no, sober. No, no. You're off the fucking road, and I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Where where I I feel like what worries me is that. I don't think that there has been any studies done on, like, how many people try to, like, say, outrun the cops uh, because they have, say, an expired plate, but they're a slight bit drunk. And they're like, oh, if I get pulled over and he realizes, like, my eyes don't dilate fast enough or something like that, fuck this. You know what I mean? That's going to cause a shitload of accidents. And by the way, uh, for anybody listening, I'm not uh, promoting drinking and driving by any means. I'm merely saying that if... If you've had, you know, if you drink a beer and you're, let's say, a thinner person or even maybe two beers, let's say, and an hour goes by, Mm -hmm. you can walk fine. You can drive fine. Everything cool. But if somebody gives you a breathalyzer, it's in certain uh, cities, uh, maybe even Los Angeles. Right. You're over a limit to where you could get your car hauled. You could Mm -hmm. get, you know, points against your license. You also aren't legally allowed to refuse the breathalyzer without being arrested in some places as well, Exactly. And that's one of those things where it's like, who was this person really hurting? Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, again, I, and that, in that instance, I can understand paying attention to the actual driving uh, as opposed to, you know, to what you're saying. But I think the thing about the – the I, I think oh, what I was the reason going, I was going to bring this up, ahead, maybe this is ahead. to your point that you're about to make, is uh, when it comes to, like, the marijuana driving laws, I feel like that might bring about uh, that discussion because – Really, I mean, as silly as it sounds, I don't mean to sound like, a, you know, doing a comedy act, but if you're high while driving, you're not driving fast in most cases. At yeah. worst, you're just slowing traffic down. Oh, absolutely not, no. Right? You're now, definitely... You're me, definitely personally, I can't I can't drive much at all when I'm high because I'm, I'm way too paranoid that I'm going too fast. Uh, I've driven on five hits of acid, no problem, but high? Mm-mm. No, no, no can I don't know, do. The first, time I, tried, the first so. time I was really driving when I was really high... Uh, I had driven to an in and out drive through and a friend of mine was in the, in the, the passenger seat and, uh, I had been hanging out at his place, uh, watching the spelling bee and getting crazy high, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as is a good old American tradition. H I G H. Hi. Uh, and I was in the drive through and, uh, had to pull up 
and and pulled up a little bit and you know cars in front of me and uh it i just pulled up enough so that i could not see their bumper you know over and i like freaked the fuck out because i was like oh my god i just hit this car (laughs) (laughs) and my friend my friend like i started i had like a meltdown dude like for minutes and i like i was it went on so long that unknown unknowns to me he called another friend of ours and just had the phone like held up and just held pointed towards me while i was like oh fuck man oh fuck i didn't hit this guy oh fuck it's over man and he's like you gotta hear teddy's freaking the fuck out right now and then eventually we had a chinese fire drill in the in the drive-thru and he's switched in the in the driver's seat and he's like you know you're like seven feet away from this car right <laughs> yeah and i was like yeah okay and uh you know I, I've, I've gotten um i've obviously gotten that out of my system uh since then but so so you're in charge let's suppose suddenly yeah. they're like teddy we need you to write the the laws for uh driving while high on marijuana awesome what do you do what's your what's your law let me smoke or guy groves if you've got a I mean, I, hat in his ring. Impairment is impairment. I mean, the truth That's is, what I would you start can be. With. You can be. Look at this like this. You can be diabetic, right? Right, right. And have the same impairment as somebody who was completely and totally drunk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I start by saying, impairment's impairment. Right. If you are impaired and you can't operate this vehicle, I don't mm. care what it is. Testify, Mr. You Gross. know what I mean? I don't care what it is, whether it's weed, alcohol, cocaine, whatever yeah. it is. Whatever the level of impairment is, that's what we put the research to try if to you, find out it's, what, yeah. what, at what level can you not operate this vehicle. Because I understand. Now, what the, if they're a cocaine-crazed Negro? Well, what, do we, what do we do in those? And this is why tomorrow at breakfast, children, <laughs> and father, uh, we must discuss cocaine-crazed Negroes and traffic laws uh, and why this is very Listen, spin. you're um, going to power up your power wheels and we're going to do yeah, this. Exactly. You understand, so we gotta there go was an old and... newspaper trope for, for a, a number of years about giant uh, giant Negro men uh, in every city. There was like something would... It was a giant a Negro... Choir. I was about to say, do I fit into this category? Because You would, I, I, you I would really definitely would. Yeah, I yeah. Know. Uh, I mean, I think... I, yeah, it, sorry, go ahead. I just... Uh, I think, I think. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the best point about... Uh, uh, impairment. The, the guy made is impairment. What is impairment? impairment? What is I think impairment? the thing that you've got to do is that, listen, if you, it's it's kind of that sense of like, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're driving and you are driving recklessly, then we're going to pull you over because you are a reckless driver, you right. know? Right. Uh, the, the cause of the recklessness should seem to be uh, almost moot mm-hmm. unless, unless you know, it's, it's determined that there is a real public hazard that is affecting you, you know, or right. that you are a repeat offender or that you are, you know, a prolonged delinquent or something, you know, where it's that sense of like, if I pull you over because you're a reckless driver and the car smells like booze mm. or alcohol, well, then that's kind of secondary. But the fundamental ticket should be that reckless driving. Right. And then the secondary point should be under the influence of blank. Right. Or under, you know, under the influence of marijuana, under the influence of alcohol. But like I said, even if you're diabetic and you don't take right. medication. Which is like if you are, if you, and, it's, and that's when we, and I think the best example kind of of this is with elderly drivers. That's right. And like and, in Santa Monica where the guy crashed right. into a well, bunch and, of people and, 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 and especially if you go for the urban-rural divide, you mm-hmm. really, if you're in a more rural setting, part of the reason that so many older drivers are, mm-hmm. are on edge is because if you get uh, hit with a, a traffic offense... And you're no longer able to drive for a certain period of time. You're really almost excommunicated from the community. Exactly. You can't really get around. You can't go. Sh- you can't pick up groceries. You know. You can't go out to entertain yourself. 
can't go to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't even go out to the bar to fucking drown your sorrows, you know, for the fact that you are a terrible driver. But in that sense, you really kind of have to be more discerning in that regard of, like, why are we sort of doing it? And because there's no resources, like, in a more urban area for a bus or, you know, cabs or anything like that. I think that's the kind of situation where you've got to be a little bit more sensitive, like you're saying. But if you were impaired, then tough shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and so... I think I think it's one of those things where our traffic laws are very uh, anachronistic, and we really haven't updated it for the modern era. Right. And the sense of like, uh, you know, it's almost like we caught up in the sense of like, you can't drink and drive; it's not appropriate. But we didn't really adjust our traffic laws to fully reflect where we are culturally, which is kind of the biggest problem that we have as a society is that culturally we've moved in a large direction, but we haven't had the ability to make our laws and our legislative process reflect where we are culturally in that sense. It's like in some places where you still are not allowed to live uh, or cohabitate as a co-ed, you know, couple, it's shit is illegal. I mean, it's like, it's like in workers comp, for example, you can't work if you're prescribed codeine. Right. But you can drive home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you're on codeine. You're way too out of it to right, work. Right. To well, what if a black guy gets whatever. a hold of it? We can't have that. Once but, again, but come your on. Ass man. Can go. Hey, man. Hey, <laughs> sipping on the scissors. <laughs> sipping on the scissors. I eat so the... many scrimp. I, I got I got, iodine poison. I got that purple drink in my cup. Got that purple <laughs> drink in my cup. You know what I mean? Think about it. I do not. You know, know what think you mean. about it. Okay, so like, okay, purple drink, meaning. Codeine laced beverages. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. There's design. Anything you see? Here's someone talking about scissor. Okay. Will Wayne talking about that pink stuff? You don't listen to any of that. That's okay. real shit right there. Revopolis. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Heavily, heavily, heavily used. Here, in I the thought this time it was in just the like South people drinking Chicago, like, oh, I mean, the Midwest. It, it, the Tussin. number, the number of of of, of rappers mm-hmm. and and entertainers in that capacity, especially in the South, who fucking just drink cough syrup. Like when you hear Little yeah, Wayne talking about having his, th- that's what it is. When okay. you hear Little Wayne talking about having his three cups, that's basically what it is. He's got codeine laced. Drake is on that shit as well too. It could be purple. That could he's be drinking, and mm. this is something that, according to workers' compensation law, you cannot work on, but you can drive with it. You see what I mean? You can't drive drunk, and now they're like, well, you might not be able to drive on weed either, but any kind of prescription, anything, biking and whatever, that's not even mentioned. Sure. And that's why I was saying impairment is impairment. It shouldn't matter what it is. Right, but then you get the loopholes. You get the exemptions. Yeah. See what I mean? You get the, you get the invested interest that are like, well... Our product is sanctioned by law, so if you right. get caught with that, then it's on you, not us. Right. As opposed right. to the other, I mean, if it's if it's you know, these any of these products, then it's on you. you right. Know I mean? You know, so I mean, it's that it's that kind of. I thing. think if you if you did if you literally just did the study of like take take ten people and put them on a a, a track, you know what I mean, a racetrack of some kind. And I don't mean race track, but you know what I mean, private uh, road, if you will. Uh, you got them yeah, high and then studied them driving. You'd be like, we don't really need to worry about this. They haven't even turned the car on yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We're okay. <laughs> oh man, we've got ten people here freaking out. Yep. Over the speed, uh, yeah, exactly. That they Fuck. haven't even started. What you mean? Doing I got it. all these keys on one hook. How do they stay on? Yo, Dude, man, I'm going so, so fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, yeah. I'm in a race, motherfucker. Uh, yeah. The dashboard is so bright, bro. Damn, man, these lights. Hey, 
Y'all mean I drive a Honda Accord now? Exactly. Oh, this is amazing, son. Is my car? It's not my car. You mean I'm just breathing? Okay, cool. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna I'm tell you a story. A traffic. Story. One guy moves. The other ones are all like, "Oh shit, we're going in reverse now." <laughs> Yo, this this is the best traffic story of all time. I'm not gonna say this cat's name because he's a cool dude and. You know, closing the show out with this. But so. this, but this Archbishop good. Desmond no, no, but this, Tutu. This is, the Let's best, do it. this is the best ever, right? This dude goes out. Shout here. out to Makai Pfeiffer. Check this out. This dude goes out. He goes to a party. He has a great time, right? He is driving. He knows he's intoxicated, but he's saying, you know, I'm cool. I'm all right. It's been a while since I drank. I'm just going to get in the car. I'm going to go to the crib. So he's driving, and he starts to feel tired. So he pulls over, right? And he stops. And he says, you know what? I'm just going to take a nap right here in this car. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to sober out and sober up and then I'm going to go home. But he wakes up and when he wakes up, he's laying down and he sees bright lights all from behind the car coming all the way through his car. You know what I mean? He hears noise. He's like, what the hell is going on? And he sits up and there's a highway patrolman with his gun drawn standing at his window. Right. And he looks up, he starts to freak out. And he's like, man, what's going on? I just pulled over. I just wanted to go to sleep, right? And he pulled over. And the, and the highway patrolman says, sir, sir, do you realize that you're in the middle of the freeway? <laughs> <laughs> and so basically what happened is oh. he thought he was pulling over, but he stopped in the middle of the 10 and turned his car off and went to sleep. And all of highway patrol, helicopters, you name it, all was dispatched because wow. this dude has parked in the middle of the 10 freeway, man. Jesus. You know what I mean? And going to sleep. And to me, that's the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> because check it out. I seen this dude at work, right, with an ankle, with an ankle bracelet on. And with an ankle bracelet on, I'm like, dude, you got an ankle bracelet. What happened? He said, man, you ain't going to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he told me that story. And he was like, man. To be honest, that's the most humiliating moment of my life. But he's like, man, I'm glad it happened. Because he's like, that was the second time. Ooh. It wasn't the first time. It was the second time I got caught. Damn. He's like, man, I don't even want to go nowhere near a car. So that dude, you might see him on the bus, Teddy. Hey, man, shout out to the man on Metro, baby. 704, we did it. Yep. We did it. All right, let's close out. Guy, what do you want to plug? What do you got? Where can people find you? Uh, the relevant stuff, uh, this Wednesday, I'm going to be at Sardo's with my boy Brian Monarch. You know Brian very well. Indeed, I do. He asked me uh, if I wanted to do that show. 8 o'clock, Sardo's this Wednesday. Then on March 9th, I'm going to be with Dave Nunez at the Brea Improv for his birthday show at 11 o'clock. Awesome. And then on March 23rd, uh, I believe at 10 o'clock at John Lovett's Comedy Club, the show God Grows Lives come back. You know, hey. comes back. That's a show produced right, by do me. Thing, do your thing. It's a crazy show. It's all crazy. It's always packed. It's always good. So we'll be back out. Got there. a website. Got uh, you on Twitter, Facebook. I'm on like Twitter. That? I'm on Facebook. Guy Groves. On t- Twitter, I'm Guy Groves the King because I'm crazy like that. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a damn. You goddamn right. Uh, on Facebook, Guy Groves. Guy Groves fan page. Hit me up. Oh, great stuff. Teddy, what you got? Uh, hosting at Formosa Cafe uh, this Saturday night. Uh, bitches, eight o'clock showtime. Come on out and uh, holler at your boy. Also, be sure to check out Straight Riffin on uh, YouTube. All the various highlights that we got going on, various yeah. Blacky Ray, Black Riffin highlights episodes. almost every day, and uh, all kind of guests from uh, Riffin. Your uh, Mitch, what you got going on? 
Uh, Friday, I'm at Smiles in, uh, I don't know, is that North Hollywood or Studios? That's Sherman, Sherman Oaks, baby. Sherman, Sherman Oaks. That's right where we're calling it. Sherman Oaks, right. motherfucker. So what Sherman Oaks, Avenue, uh, Sherman Oaks? Friday, Sh- Smiles, Sherman Oaks, and, uh, you know, wherever else. So, we're good. Good night, bitches. Word up. Thanks for listening to Straight Riffin'. You can catch all past and future episodes of Straight Riffin' on the official website, riffin.net, R-I-F-F-I-N.net. Keep in mind, we do air live every Monday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. That's 10 p.m. to midnight for you East Coasters. You can actually watch that right on Facebook, on our fan page, facebook.com slash straight riffin'. Like us, check out the Ustream page. You can even chat while we're doing the show. That's how we interact with the fans. We thank you so much for listening. Check out Riffin.net. Buy my album. Buy Teddy's album. We'll catch you again next time. It ripped the fuck on, bitches.